If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Doug, I got to do this old school style. In this motherfucking episode of the Mind Pump, this is ah shit. This show was recorded in front of a live studio audience. Where are they? Yeah. Yes. Episode one thousand. Look for the first fifty minutes. We do our right fun on time cue, guys. Thanks. Conversation. This is before we get into the fitness stuff or the questions, I should say. So here's what we talked about for the first fifty minutes. Justin gives us a rundown of his Thunderbird ride. Yeah. He went up in the jet and almost died. It was an epic story that Adam kept jacking. We talked about the Airbnb. Tell it better, bro. Hidden camera problem. Apparently, people are spying on each other through Airbnb rentals. Uh, we talked about how Creepy. Monsanto had to pay somebody $80 million. Apparently, he had cancer from using glyphosates or spraying his property with glyphosates. Weird. Yeah, you hear that, Lane? Mm. Mm. Then we talked about interesting. Reese's peanut butter cups. They're reversing them. Is that what's going on, Adam? You got yep. peanut butter on the outside. My head's going to explode. What the hell's right. going on here? We talked about the Cardinals. I think that's a baseball team. Cell phone. You're it wrong. is. There's a baseball team, too. You're all right there. Okay, breaks. This is mm, what, am I wrong? We're talking about, yeah. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Anyway, uh, during practice, uh, they give them breaks so they could check their Instagram accounts on cell phones. Poor guys. What world are we living in? Then we talked about the new cryptocurrency from Facebook. Say what? We talked about the guy who stole $75 million from Facebook and Google what, how? He just asked them, hey, give me this money, and it worked. He's like, here, I'm billing you. Is that really stealing? Yeah, maybe not. Then we talked about Adam's new hobby. He's rowing. That's right. He's using a rower. Are you becoming a cardio queen? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, and then here's what we did. We have our live studio audience. These are people we hand-selected to come attend this live 1,000-episode event, and each of them got a chance to ask us a question. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run through these questions real fast. There's about 14 of them. Here's what we talked about. Somebody asked us what we would talk about if we did a TED Talk. I would do one. Justin Adams said they wouldn't. Uh, we talked about advice we'd give to our 20-year-old selves. Wear a condom. We talked about the most surprising outcomes since starting Mind Pump. We talked about how to program for self. In other words, how to design workouts for yourself. We talked about the next Mind Pump mission. What are we doing next after we accomplish all of our goals? We talked about our, the world. our greatest influencers and mentors. We talked about our individual legacies. Adam wants a arena filled of people attending his funeral. We, Adam, Adam, then we Adam. then we answer the question: uh, Will people ever switch from focusing on aesthetics to general health? By the way, Maps Aesthetic is on sale. Then we talked about how to avoid nice. spreading yourself too thin in business. We talked about the next one thousand episodes. What are those going to look like? Uh, somebody asked us: Will personal trainers be replaced by technology robot trainer? Do it. Do it. Yes, five more burpees. Excellent yeah, joke. Uh, I don't know. Somebody asked us how to handle clients that are not motivated. You just punch them, makes them do everything. Yeah. Uh, the so difficult times that we're grateful for. Justin talks about time he cried in the shower, um, <laughs> and our biggest fear and how we overcame them. Also, I'd like to tell everybody right now. Listen, if you're listening to this episode when it drops, these are the final hours. Lucky for you, there's only a few hours left, but you get to get Maps Aesthetic. For 50% off, it's half off. That's a huge discount, by the way. Maps yeah. Aesthetic is the program designed for uh, people who like to sculpt their bodies to make them look better, more aesthetic. It was designed by Adam, Justin, and myself with bodybuilders, physique competitors, and bikini competitors in mind. It's an advanced program, a lot of volume. It's a lot of fun. Here's what you do to get the discount. 
Go to mapsfitnessproducts.com and use the code BLACK50, B-L-A-C-K-5-0. Now look, if you're somebody who's not too interested in bodybuilding type training, but you want other types of programs, we have other MAPS programs available. And if you're super serious, we have something called the Super Bundle, which is a year of expert exercise programming. Again, if you want to look at those programs or get 50% off MAPS Aesthetic with the code BLACK50, just go to mapsfitnessproducts.com. So did I tell you guys what happened with Enzo outside? <laughs> I, I saw him washing the windows. Yeah, so, yeah so Doug's like, wash the windows out there. You know, the big thing with the squeegee or whatever. And he was, the kid had no idea what was going on. <laughs> he he'd never done manual labor in his entire life, so I had to help him yeah. wash the windows. I noticed he has no calluses yeah. on his uh, little pretty hands. No, no. Yeah. I want to hear about your... Uh, I have been waiting all day to talk about this. Organ squeezing. Dude. Uh, it's funny. People need to know this. So we come in this morning, right, to set up and everything. And I was the first one here. Justin walks in, and I'm like, yeah. hurry up and tell me before Adam I gets I didn't here. even want to tell you, but you, like, dragged it out of me. Told me the whole story. Then yeah. he had to keep it a secret so that Adam could hear it during the podcast. Yeah, I haven't heard any of this. It's been driving me crazy all day long because I feel so jealous that he got to go do it, and I didn't go up with him. And I'm like, you got to get me in there next time. Sal says, oh, you might want to talk to Justin first. Yeah. Well, I mean, to talk about this, like, we got approached by Major Jason Markson, and he's a fan of the show. He listened to the show. They actually ran some of our programs, MAPS uh, performance, and um, with him and one of his other pilots, too. Um, and, and they both, like, just loved Mind Pump, and they, they became fans. And so they reached out to us and were like, hey, any of you guys want to go up in an F-16 fighter jet? Hell yeah. no. It's just, Hell yes. <laughs> right? Hell that yes. That was my first one. I'm like, dude, of course. I was like, oh, why, man. Why you, wouldn't you? You can only take one? Dang. Yeah, Justin. <laughs> yeah, you, you really you were pulling for yourself, dude. You there. did the, tell them about the whole process. You get there and they do this whole because you didn't fly till three, but you got there at like yeah, no, I got there at like twelve fifteen, and and they debrief you for like a couple hours. Like I had a, a few different um, sergeants kind of take me into a room and like do this whole safety protocol, and so they're like trying to break down like all these like little nuances of how to put on this G suit. So did it fit real? It looks snug. No, dude, his ass didn't fit. No, no, man. No. Like these guys are skinny. Yeah. Like, you know, like no, no disrespect, but like there was actually, no, I take that back. There was one, one of the guys had there cut holes in it. Yeah. yeah one, <laughs> one of the guys there was just like this yoked, uh, competitor, I guess. And he's, he's another guy that was listening to mind pump. And oh, so that's my guy. Yeah. That's okay. your guy. Right. He, Oh, funny, actually funny story about this actually, Adam. So, Anyway, they did their research to to find out like who I was, you know, because I'm kind of a big deal. So <laughs> they Googled me and they they found your picture. <laughs> That's how cool I like, am. Like what the so fuck? Google he's like, you, they well, get this me. guy's buff, you know, cool. We'll have a lot in common or whatever. And then he saw that like who I was. He's like, oh no, this is him. Oh, he's the like, other guy. He's like, That's oh. what they said. He shows like, up. Oh, like, yeah, he's oh, like, the other like, guy. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, I guess you work out or whatever. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so but, what's debriefing? What are they telling you? What you can't push the red button, right? I'm assuming you can't do that. Yeah, well, no, they. I mean, there's Did, just so many things that you have to cover, you know, to cover their asses for one, uh, just to like kind of show me how everything works and how to like buckle everything, and then like what happens if you do it wrong, and uh, like all these different things, like what it, what it does. So it has like a bladder inside this these pants that actually will compress your legs to make sure that the blood goes back With up towards your brain fluid no it's what's, just it's just air like it's uh, okay. air that it that shoots in through this little hose like old school mc hammer pants no, no dude they squeeze his legs no, because it's like a corset when you're hitting g's oh. that the blood comes out out of your brain how the fuck do you know 
I did. I, he, I, he, I looked it up. He watched Top Gun twice. Yeah. He also <laughs> becomes a fucking expert on it. Actually, we I, were I talking. Doug and I were talking. I with read him, the and he's like, Sal was actually pretty like spot on with the, his G. Isn't that weird? Uh, Definite. So and I didn't want to tell you that, but uh, he was contesting you there. So yeah, I uh, felt like I had. To I was right again. Back you up there. So you, no. so you did. You did like what? Nine point something G's. Nine point three. Well, hold. Tell him. Tell him the whole thing. So you go up there. So I'm going to terrible storyteller. It's okay. We got you guys talk. are fucking You're hijacking me, Beginning, middle. <laughs> no, I'm I'm right in the beginning, and you guys you had are taking all day all to these practice other this, You had all day to practice. I think after story. a thousand episodes, you let me like finish my story. All right, you all know right, what right. I mean. Go. Like, all right, go. Uh, Let's see. So I get. I'll hyperspeed this for you since you guys have like no attention. No, no, I'm right. Debriefing. Come yeah. on, you're yeah. they so telling you about the buckles, what you can and can't do. Right. So then we get into finally, like, let's just hyperspeed to like where I'm about to get on the plane, and. Uh, like I'm, I'm going through this whole process where everybody's lined up. So they made this big production out of it. And, uh, like everybody's out there and they have all these like cool handshakes you're supposed to do with them. You know how awkward I am with handshakes, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I fucked it up. Like the first guy you did. Yes. I was like, no, like that was like my only, like I was trying in my head. I was like. They gave me too many options. So, like, you can do like a fist bump, you could do like a high five, you Wait could a shake. You had to think of the the handshake you were gonna do before you you got out of there. Yeah, because okay, there's a line of the guys before I get to the airplane, and they're all like, so the pilot before me, he's doing all these handshakes with them, all these cool things, and I was like, oh, like what, NBA, what am I gonna NBA do? NBA warm up stuff, or they're yeah, doing yeah, like, exactly, oh, okay. all that stuff, and like hey, and like little slaps on the butt, where. And uh, so I'm going through and I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give him like a, a little like high five slap and then maybe like a fist bump. Oh, like like the, so, the SoCal handshake. What the hell was I thinking? Like a double thing? Yeah. No. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> Fucked it up. I was like slap. And then he was like, ah. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> and so I had to warn so, everybody so else. We're not even in the jet. I'm not we're even right. in the already, jet yet. Already shit's going I ruined wrong. ruined it, right? And I'm like trying to make Ner- up for nerves it. Nerves are going yeah, like crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, no. Like, yeah. I started like turning a little bit. And so I get through everybody else. I'm like, I, I warm up. I'm like. Okay, you know, high five, then bump. High five, then bump. And I'm like saying it as I'm going down the line, you know, just to, just to warn them. I don't want to screw it up. And uh, so then I stand in front of it, and then you actually have to put the pants on uh, right there before you get on the plane because you can't fucking walk in those things. Like, it's so tight, and it took me, like, forever to put on. Of course, you know, uh, the pilot puts so it wait, on. Wait, wait, like you're walking two out and high five, fist bump. High five, fist no bump. No pants on? No, I, I had a jumpsuit on. And these pants go over those. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I know. Boom. Great story. Yeah, Keep I going. Yeah. I'm, Justin, I'm he was awesome trying to paint this. the picture in his head. Yeah, I was. I'm like, <laughs> he had a different you know? idea. I did. So, so now I get to the pants on. I get into the plane. The plane is like the most like confined space I've ever been in. Right. So there's nowhere for me to even like, uh, like move and shift my weight or anything. Like I probably had a centimeter gap between my thighs like this. It's oh, not, wow. it's not made for cakes, right? No, no. Is it, is it not comfortable at all? No. I mean, I like wedged it. Once I got in, I was like wedged. Oh God, I feel like a coffin. I was just like, okay. But I actually felt, you know, comfortable and because I knew like I needed like a hug, you know, I needed like everything to like, like stay a th- there. Like a thunder vest? Yeah. It was like a thunder I vest. I'm like, where, like where, where's the ejection seat button? Right between my legs. Oh, wow. Like my piece kept hitting it and it was like, it was bad. Like, right. I, I was like really nervous that I was going to hit it too hard. Yeah, so what's and, what's going through your head right now? Are you scared to death yet? Or are you like getting excited? Like after they debriefed you, did they calm you down or does it make it worse? So the day before I was really nervous. I had like yeah, no, we saw anxiety. Yeah. Next day, no. 
Like it was weird. I was like way too confident. Like, like not like I should have been scared. It's all the top, all the Top Gun, Iron Eagle videos. Yeah, watching I was like pumping myself up, you know, doing all this like movie watching. And his uh, call name was Porkins. He said, "Yeah, like Star Wars." They gave that to me at the end. Yeah, they, they make little acronyms for this, and then the ride I saw it. they painted your name on the fucking jet. Yeah, bro, that's cool. Yeah, that threw me off. I was like, "Whoa, my name's on here!" Like I didn't do anything. <laughs> like, what sure the fuck did. am I doing here? Sure like you, you guys, <laughs> the Brad Pitt of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding me? I mean, I do have that. Yeah, you know, I, I got that kind of. Okay, so you're, so you're starting to calm down. You get in the okay. You got everything locked in. Does he just yeah. take the? Is there like a? Off? Is there code words they say before the thing drops down? Like what happens? Is it all yes. silent? No, he's like like hand, like he was being funny. He's like hands and and feet inside the cockpit, you know, and like it like lowers down the canopy, and uh, so it was funny because. Uh, because uh, Major Jason was a fan, like I was just talking shit to him like the whole time. I'm like, dude, let's let's listen to like Metallica or something, you know? Like, let's let's fucking rage, and um, like everybody's kind of like doing these weird hand signals and like sending us off. And we get to the end of the the tarmac, and they're like making us wait there for like five minutes. And I'm like, dude, let's go. He's like, and then we finally got the okay from the tower, and, and he's like, are you ready? And I'm like, dude. Enough foreplay. Let's fuck. <laughs> I literally said that. I was like, "Yeah, you're still a little." Wow, <laughs> that was that was too much. Yeah, like I got too excited. Uh, and so then we take off, and they do this maneuver where like they take off, and it's it seems cool, and then boom, like you go like vertical and, right away. Yeah, just right away and. I mean, you'll see in the video. I'll probably post. What, what does a takeoff feel like in comparison to like a normal jet when you're flying commercial? It's it's like is it like that, and then it gets faster, or is it like just the minute it's like he you hits strapped it. yourself to a bomb? <laughs> you just and you go straight up, and then I was doing like he had this whole planned out, and he was showing me with this like um, the you know this plane model, like everything that we were gonna do, like being inverted, we were gonna do these crazy backflips and like corkscrew rolls, and you know fly upside down, and uh, you know bank really hard and get all these G's. His whole goal was to get me like all like nine G's and like do this like multiple times. And At like, no point here, you're telling him to like, hey, you don't need to show off for me or anything. I just want to take a cruise around the block and then tell my friends. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's what I would. So done. he yeah. so with the takeoff, how many G's did you hit on the takeoff? So I was like, I was like pressed back to my seat and my whole like cheeks were like, I felt like I was like stroking out, you know, like, and uh, he's like, yeah, that was four G's. Oh no. I was like, holy shit, dude. And you know, you're going to go nine. Did they tell you that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Does he work you up to that? Is it like, okay, we're at four right now. I'm going to take you to five. Like, uh okay. Yeah. And so he takes, so we, we, we fly out further. Uh, We have to get to like this airspace where he can really like, really like step on it. And uh, so we start like picking up speed. And I, I just confirmed with him. It was like 600 miles an hour. We, we ended up going at, the, at a certain point. And then he started to do all his maneuvering. And I forget all the names, of all these different like maneuvers they do. But like, I just knew I was getting thrown around. And like one of the first ones we did was like a eight point kind of barrel roll. And so he he would do it where it was like kind of jerky where like we go this way, then we go this way, then we go this way. And we turn until we're all the way inverted. And then... We'd stop, and I was upside down and hanging, looking at the world, like, just with my seatbelt. And my ass was off the chair, and I was, like, hanging like this. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> like, nothing was holding me except for this little buckle. Oh, wow. 
and I'm like staring at like imminent death. And uh, so after that, I was like, "What the fuck? What am I doing?" Now, did you? Bro, what did the, is he trying to fuck with you, or is that? No, what? it's just he was trying to make it cool. Like he was trying to make <laughs> me have fun and everything. But I was just like, "What does nine G's feel like?" You know how I, I was like, "Dude, I, I can handle this." Yeah, you know? that's like, you asshole. Like, that was an asshole move. I, See, I, would, a, yeah. I would totally not go in there like that. But like, hey, take it easy. No, <sighs> no, no, no. So we started doing all that, and then, um, and then he's like, "Okay, we're gonna start like working on your G." Uh, and, and so he'd like go to 5G so he like starts turning kind of hard and that was the first time where it really started to kind of ramp up where I felt like I, I don't know how to describe it it almost looks like what, what Arnold you know looked like in Total Recall where he's just yeah, he's melting in Mars like, yeah just like <laughs> his eyes are popping out like that's what it felt like He's, was happening he said that it felt like his DNA was separating in yeah. his body <laughs> that was when I hit 9G's like I felt like my DNA was like scrambling. Like, can you see anything? Like, are you are you just fucking well, done? Like, I could see probably like this much, like in front oh of God, me, and it. like the rest of it is just, you know. Like, now, it's are just you there. and you're just tensing your body? What are you doing? Yes, yeah, so you have to sit and you have to bear down and like dig your your legs into the ground. So you have to really like tighten up your legs to really squeeze. Uh, the blood back up to your head. So, oh, really? I could totally see how people pass out like immediately. And like, it, were you instructed to keep tension like that? Mm -hmm. That's the oh. technique that they have to do. Yeah, it was all part of the briefing that we just blew past. That's why. So he messaged me a while ago, and he yeah. said that um, he wanted us to create a fitness program for them, mm -hmm. specifically for that because it's exhausting. It's really like I'm still exhausted today, you know, from doing that yesterday. And what was the total time up there, even? So we did uh, an hour and twenty minutes. Oh shit! Which you was were, the longest anybody was flying for him. an hour and twenty minutes. Now it can't all be like this. No, it wasn't, and it was a special case. Like, so where'd you guys go? Florida and back. I mean, <laughs> and that going that fast, you should be able to get there and back. <laughs> we could have, uh, but we, he decided to do a lot more like fucking loop de loops and you know, crazy shit. Did you throw up? I didn't know you were in there that long. Hold that's on. a long time. So that's the end of the story. Oh, right? oh okay. So story skipper. Yeah, oh, my bad. You threw up. So okay, I'll get to that. <laughs> I will get to that, Adam. Uh, I was so we we went through all that, and he he was like, "How you doing?" I'm like, "I'm okay." And once we hit the nine G's, where really like how he hits nine G's when when they do this hair point turn, like this hairpin turn. So he just like goes like I don't know if it's six hundred miles an hour or whatever, but he just goes as fast as he can and then turns on a dime like the other way. Oh, so that's what creates the nine G's. That's what creates that. is the whip. It and was, it's it's nine times your body weight, right? That's what you experienced. I don't know if that. How can that be right? Am I right? Yeah. Oh my yeah, god, yeah, dude. Yeah, you're right. A thousand episodes. It's, 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 no, it's about a thousand, no. thousand episodes. Just, a thousand something pounds of pressure says, on yeah, you. It, uh, no, we'll confirm Listen, with it. If you laid on the ground, I put a thousand pounds it's on your chest. It's not chin. in one area. It's on your entire body. Dude, and you that's say what that you weren't there, bro. Okay. <laughs> I'm serious. It was like that's like a refrigerator intense. laying on top of you. That bro, he he came in and he was telling me the story and dude, it felt like a refrigerator. Handle stress, right? He like, would I'm shook. okay. Like I, I can handle stress, but like well, dive you threw up. You I didn't know. know. Well. well, I didn't throw up. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> and I didn't pass out. And you can see the footage uh, until. Uh, so we get through all this thing. He actually, there was one point too where everything kind of calmed down, and he was like, "All right, why don't you take over and fly? And why don't you? Do you the, fucking lie. I'm not lying. I, mean, I ain't lying. 
Uh, so there's this there's yeah, so this joystick the right here, <laughs> <laughs> and there was there was like a button too. Like, uh, no, they don't have any bombs or anything on there, like any oh, yeah. any missiles. Of I was like, kind of bummed out about that. Like that would been kind of cool. Yeah, of course not. But, I know that house. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so there's this like joystick, and I'm and like I was at, at that point. What really got me and what got me sort of queasy was when we kept going upside down and then rolling slow. I just, I got like disoriented. And you were too tough to tell him that. Yes, 100%. And so I was like, oh, and he's like, okay, why don't you take over the control? And so I started to grab it and like, I just barely kind of move it. And like, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to relax. Get a couple of breaths, man. You know, just enjoy the scenery. And I'm like, like holding my mask and kind of sitting back. and just, Turn up the oxygen. Turn up oxygen. He was really going to let you fly for a minute? Yeah, dude. What? Yeah, he was. I blew it. Or is it like a just, like a pretend thing? Like, he thought I was doing well. Is what what? He yeah, thought. you faked it, Ellie. Yeah, good. totally. And then I, and so then he's like, uh, I think he figured it out because he's like, all right, let's go back to the base. And so we started like flying. It took a while, like probably like twenty minutes to get back to the base. And then we get there, and we're ready to 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 drop in. And he's like, okay, we got to do kind of a low approach. And so he gets down low, and then like banks kind of hard again. I'm like, oh you know i'm feeling a little more g's and then uh we start to kind of descend and then the tower's like oh hold on and and stops us and it's like well there's two other planes that need an emergency landing because they're low on fuel and so i'm like fuck and so like they takes back off we fly around again the tower like in top gun (laughs) iron eagle it's iron eagle they do it right yeah that would have been sick but no we didn't do that (laughs) no we were just coasting and so we're going like slow and we're just doing this sort of lap i'm doing one lap and it's it's like he's he's turning really slow and so i'm like leaning over just <laughs> and and finally like like the third lap like he started to ask me like we're we're talking shit and and i was like i'm glad i didn't puke or whatever. and like i'm like oh, my breath stinks you know i'm talking about breath because i was like super dehydrated at this point and I, all i'm smelling is my own breath in this mask and he's like, yeah, at least you didn't puke in your mask. You know, that'd be way worse. I'm like, yeah, that would be worse. <laughs> and then he's like, well, he's like, well, we'll have a drink after. Like, what, what's your favorite beer? And I was like, beer? Beer? <laughs> just and then I, I just leaned back. Just bleh. like, yeah, funny story. I pushed the mic. You know, I pushed like, <laughs> the mic. The mic. I pushed, I pushed my mask off, and I'm just like this and trying to catch some air. And I just was like, this is coming up. This, this is not, you know, avoidable anymore. And so I have a bag like taped to my leg and I just grabbed the bag and I was just, <laughs> oh shit. Just, just like, just, you were like, that close to landing open this close, dude. Like oh. I was so like, I could have been a champion, you know? It was this close. Did you get any on your shirt? Dude, I got like little chunks. Oh. <laughs> it was here and I was like, really? But the last, it was like, it was the last push. Like, like just kind of came down. I had some on my, my chin. Oh, gross. Right here, I hit a little bit. Doug, you here. get a photo? And I grab it and I'm like, trying, oh, Did you flick it off in the cockpit? I tried to get it off of me. I didn't want any evidence, you know, even though he has a camera. Looking at me, and I'm like, oh, no, he knows. <laughs> you know, I was like trying to, like, hey, how's it going up there? You know? He's like, how are you feeling? 
I'm like, ah. Dude, you know what's, what's crazy to me is these dudes fucking do that and control the plane, know where they're at, know what to do. It doesn't make any sense. Imagine having to fight in the air while hitting well, these I, kinds of Gs. That's crazy. I would also imagine they, over years and hours and hours of flying, they've worked out Bro, to that type of flying. Yeah, they too. do. They, they, they do probably cruised, They probably cruised around blocks so for quite you, some time you, before they were doing what shit. What you like got to consider, though, yeah. is like when you see like a, a top level athlete, like an NBA player, and you're like, oh, that's the. The 1% of the 1% in the world. And I could practice all day long. I'll never be as good as them. These guys are love they're fighter pilots. Right. They're so I land, right? So finally we land. Like all the birds are gone. And we get down and I get out. And so he decides to kind of, everybody's like lined up there to kind of address us or clap and whatever. Step down and he's kind of addressing them, making the speech. And then he's like, yeah, and the floor is yours. <laughs> and and I'm just up. like, <laughs> like trying, trying to like just find balance again. You know, and like I'm supposed to talk to these guys. What did like, you say? Like, like, what am I supposed to say? Like, like, uh, you know, fitness and truth, <laughs> and nutrition. D- Doug, how did his face look when he came out of the. Uh, A little bit white. Was he a little white? A little bit white. Did you yeah. not shoot any after that, or were you done? No, I shot a bunch after that. Okay, I, so I you do photos, have, yeah. Okay, we haven't seen the photos yet. I want to see yeah. the photos. Dude, so, so when they're pulling nine Gs, do you even, like, can you even comprehend what's going on? Can you like, lift your arms? That? Can you move your arms? No, you can't move anything. You're, like, plastered to the just, seat. You're, you're, like, you're literally just, just blasted. Like, I felt like I was going to explode. Like, <laughs> like, my body was just exploding, but all my clothes were keeping them together. Would you do it again? No. Oh shit! Like no that? way. Really? Yeah. And like, for for Justin to say that, let dude. me just let me just let me put this out. Well, he's there. an how asshole many, too for many, not saying anything. How many times as an adult have you spun around? Yeah, you know, no, I would really hard. I would have told him the first time, but ah, that's cool. No like, more. I did I'm that good. with my kids. Like I was out like throwing the ball for my dog and everything. Yeah. They're and not hitting nine G's though. Like, and then I got like winded and like, whoa, yeah, where am I? You know, like now imagine that like times a million. What's the little thing, the fucking thing the, in the oh, playground? Yeah. I can't even do that anymore. What yeah. are you talking about? Ferris, you know, yeah, the, the, Ferris, the, the one that you run, the kids run on, and then you... They, 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 don't, you know, they, don't, have those, they don't have Thank those anymore? You, they don't have those anymore. Really? No. The, too dangerous? The, yeah, the big metal spinning. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, Everything's too dangerous They're dangerous, now. dude. Yeah. Kids get stuck under those things. Yeah. yeah, like they'll spin, and the kid be like, ah, oh, my legs. There's dead kids under those. You're stupid. Back in the day, it was a little different. Dude, that's... Oh, my God. That's crazy that those guys do that, and they're able to know what they're doing the Man, entire time. Man, you're scaring me. Dude, I have so much respect for them. You know, I always put that out there. Like, they're... They're, it doesn't make sense. They're insane people, but, you know, I appreciate that. So did you, did you get to learn, like, how do you become a Thunderbird? So I guess, like, you have to have this crazy awesome resume uh, within, you know, the armed forces. and like, that mean, like, recommendations. shot down some MiGs? Like, I don't that, know about it, combat it? experience and all that. I don't know. They didn't, like, tell me any of that. But, like, you go through this rigorous process and, like, uh, you know, all these people, a ton of people apply to the program because it's a rad program. I mean, you get to do, like fun stuff and take people up and, and, and do a lot of marketing and all this kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, like, I guess there's this panel of like 12 officers that all grill you. And then you have to have a certain number. I think it's like 700 something hours of fight, like, uh, like, like flight F 16 hours in the air and doing all these different like stunts. And so stuff. they're all badasses. They're Dude, all the, just the elite of the elite. These guys are celebrities Yeah, in the, in the armed forces. They're literally like celebrities. You know, when they say he's a, he's a fighter pilot or whatever, it's a big deal. Yeah. So it's I a was, very big deal. I was deal. on base and they were telling me, like I was talking to a lot of the soldiers walking around and, and like, I hadn't met any of them yet. And they're like, you'll know, you'll know when they get here. Like they're just a league of their own. 
Oh, like it was, that. It was did, like that. Did, very, like, top, very Top Gun esque. Oh yeah. Did oh, they yeah. tell you the, how much one of those planes cost? Something twenty six million. million. Yeah, twenty six million. Twenty six million. Yeah. So imagine you're off. you're in charge of a twenty six million dollar and it burns like equipment. a few hundred thousand dollars in gasoline. Too, yeah, right? probably, probably right. That's wow. crazy, man. That's insane. So that it was it was mind blowing. It was like a life changing experience. So you crazy. think you think you're okay now, or do you think something happened to you a little? I bit? I can't believe you wouldn't do. You, I don't know. Dude, my brain easy. got scrambled a little bit. Really? Yeah. Or or it I might cleared be better out. Now. I might have cleared out I, some yeah. beta amyloid plaques out of your brain. Exactly. Maybe Just that cured right my, my Alzheimer's. Put them something. in your foot. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Anyway, yeah. y- are you doing it? Do you want to do it now? Still? I do. Really? Yeah. I'll speak up, bro. I won't let him do that to me. An hour and a half of fucking spinning around? No way. You think he's gonna take you up there what are you so you can do? fucking cruise? cruise like a big baby? Bro, no, I, I'm not you gonna say a I jumbo won't, jet. Not gonna say I'm not gonna do a loop or two. But after a couple of those, I'm not gonna let him do it to me. Adam, Adam wants loops. it to be like whatever. He puts hey, he puts my name on the side of the jet. I get to go get up, go down. Like I'm cool. Like that's I don't need to do all the other stuff. I'm I, not, I w- most certainly. Would not act too yeah. tough if it was starting to fucking mess with my gut. Damn, I would say some well, shit. I wanted to do two in so a row. I, I, I wanted wanna... to do two 9G pulls in a row. That was our goal. And so I was pissed. Because <laughs> there was no way that was happening. <laughs> You're like, never. Like, yeah. Oh, that's think, that's crazy, I think dude. I, I think I would have well, exploded. Good for you, man. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did it for us. Yeah. I'm very well, proud that Sal, my friend did that. Sal tried to scare me. That's, that's as close as he's going to yeah. get. Yeah. Hell. I, I know somebody. <laughs> I never wanted to. Yeah. I I got the you can use me all you want. You know what's yeah, funny? You know. I got the DM, right? Yeah. from Because he DM'd me. And I read it. And he's like, I want to fly you guys up. And I'm like, fuck, I know Adam and Jester are going to want to do this. Yeah. Do I tell them? Because yeah. I almost thought to myself, like, I'm not going to tell them because then they're going to make me do this. Yeah. But being the selfless person that I am, I gave it to you guys. Luckily, it was just one person, though. Yeah. Well, Luckily, I, I, I got the shit. I'm glad I did. I got the shit into the stick. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you think. Anyway, yeah. so did you guys see the uh, article on Airbnb and the hidden cameras that people are finding? No. People are complaining to Airbnb because they're renting these houses, which we've done many times. And people's and, cameras are running, and they're finding cameras. In, and think about it: if you own this house and like you're renting it out, bears or what? I don't know, dude. But think about all the crazy. The, almost all the ones that we, almost every one that we go to have cameras in them. I see them all the time. Do they really? Yeah. In the rooms too? I just, yeah, I just hope Uh-oh. that. Oh. Yeah. I, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't. When we go Airbnb, I just cut off the masturbation for that. Do week. you really? Yeah, yeah. Do I'm you? Not, yeah. I go, I go I dark. Can, I can, yeah, I can. Uh, hopefully I can, it's not abs- I can abstain for Justin, like the three days Justin's married. That's like masturbation time. I mean, come on, <laughs> dude. Yeah. That's like my only time. Yeah. He brings costumes. No one's going <laughs> to. <laughs> he brings what? Costumes. Oh, I they said condoms. Costumes for myself. He's so safe. Uh, I'm not that elaborate, dude. Yeah. No, but that was that's creepy, dude. That's creepy. So the, I read this story about how this guy saw the cameras in there and didn't know if they were live or what was going on. I had just read an article out. on them hitting like they're on their 500 millionth uh, visit or whatever that someone's used it. Really? Oh, they're just blowing up. Like talk crazy. about a disruptive uh, business. Oh yeah. You know, hotels are freaking out about that. About well, we had Airbnb. talked about this. Like, man, are, like, are they though? Are, are hotels? Really, I mean, there's we, some. I, I think that it's they're they're going to have a hard time staying or competing with it. But I haven't heard anybody say that. So some cities, if I'm not mistaken, some cities have actually tried to pass laws mm-hmm. saying that you can't have Airbnb yeah. because of that. Oh, really? Because of the the hotel lobbies and stuff. Because hotels do good with like wedding receptions and you know high school reunions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And business meetings. But they think, make a lot of money. But from think that about stuff, the too. rooms that people get and stuff, and think about also how much Airbnbs already improved since oh, we've I, been in there. No, I agree with you. I've been I've been touting them for a hell. I mean, Katrina and I've been using Airbnb and VB, VRBO for ten plus years. 
And when we first started, it literally was like you were just you were renting somebody's house that they were just gone for the weekend. Right. Picture frames are up, their clothes are in the dresser drawer. Like it was like it was like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's now that evolved to be like yeah. Now you, they'll give you like the single serve you know shampoo. Yeah, or you feel like you're going to a hotel. There's no there's no pictures. There's no mm-hmm. none of their stuff is there. Oh, because what's happening is, is people are coming in and they're buying up. Like we there's a we use Tahoe getaways, uh, which is just like a smaller version of that. And, you know, they own like 30, they buy up 30 of the <clears throat> nicest houses up there. And then it doesn't look like anyone's ever lived in them. Oh, yeah. no. And and there's also, because this whole share economy is pretty crazy. Like my brother lives up in the city and um, he doesn't own a car. But when he comes down, he rents a car through a service that's like Airbnb. So it's people who rent their own cars to people. So my brother will get yeah, like a, yeah. he'll get like a, an Audi or a BMW, whatever. And it's not through like a rental agency. It's through some oh, dude that's rad. using yeah, that service. Well, we speculated this before that less and less people will be buying things like that. Like why, why buy a Ferrari that you drive once every, you know, two months? That's it right there. It's you know, the access to things is just going to continue to improve to the point where it's going to make it less cool. I mean, it's not going to make you, that big of a we difference. Already, you already see it happening with influencers. Yeah. They rent them all the time, take fucking photos with them, and then- Put and their the, protein powder yeah. cup in I'm front so of it. successful. <laughs> and then they take, then they, I they, sold shreds, man. <laughs> yeah. I got a Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> look at my- look Killing at my it. Yeah, but anyway, um, these these share economy things are so disruptive to just how business has always been done. I mean, think about all the other ways that you could share things. There's people who are uh, renting out their homes as restaurants, even in some of these uh, big cities. Well, so I've told you- So you, 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 you go to like New York- and rather than going to a restaurant, yeah, this you, is San Francisco does this too. Really? Yeah, you can someone will cook you a dinner. Like you have somebody, and who you like, have like like three or four other people mm-hmm, visiting. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, what a great experience! Have you tried anything like that? No, I wouldn't do that. Why? I just weird. Why is it weird? Somebody's fucking house. I don't know. It's not. I'll, I'll let enough of you knuckleheads go do it first. Get your feedback and then nah, go do that. They'll get a bad rating if they kill you. Uh, y- y- yes, they will. <laughs> yeah. They will. No more customers for <laughs> you. Good. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know if I would do that yet. That's that's a little bit. And they do things like it. I, I forget where. I think my uncle was telling me about where they have some places where you can rent a couch by the hour. So some people even say, you can you can come sleep on my couch for two hours for a fee. Hmm. So people that don't want to pay for the full price for a hotel room, they just want to get a nap in between or what that, you can rent couch. Someone's- we always had a guy like that in college. Yeah. Oh, he wasn't paying you. Weed and just like, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't paying you. Get out of here. He wasn't paying you. I don't know why that reminded me of this, just because it's the internet and there's crazy stuff. There's groups now. Someone posted it in the forum. There's groups of men now who are signing up to meet each other to cuddle. Did you guys read this article? What? Yeah. They're cuddle groups. <laughs> I mean, sign me up. Yeah. Did you join? This? No, not at all. Huh? No, I got no problems with now. <laughs> but yeah. it's literally these are groups of men who want to just join and cuddle. I think they're just. I think they're just Dude, trying to. They're yeah. confused. I think they're trying to go for it. Yeah. all the way. You, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You saw this on Facebook. This was in our forum. Is this Somebody a spooning posted. kind of cuddle or what? what they're are we about men here? who want to literally just. They said they just want to cuddle with each other. Cuddle. Yeah. It's like mm. a wrestle party. Yeah. Anyway, all, <laughs> like the old days. Did like you see the? Did you see what? they finally settled the uh, Monsanto suit? Did you see that? Eighty million dollars. Yes. So they're saying that it gave him cancer to be exposed to. He, all so this he had like glyphosate. Uh, yeah. Well, he had like uh, poison oak or something like that around his house, and he just that's what he used to keep it down. And constantly spraying it, spraying it, spraying it year in, year out, all the time, and then. I guess they. I know they. Had, we talked about it. Like I don't know. It's been going on for months now, right? When it first happened. Yeah, and then but there was just, an appeal. It, set, it just settled though. So done. He's taking it. Yeah, he's taking 80, the money. Eighty million. But wow. doesn't he have? Um, I don't know what kind of terminal cancer. Does he? I think he might. I don't know. Yeah, mm. it sucks. Yeah, what good that's going to do to him? 
Yeah, it's crazy to even think because right now at this the amount of uh, glyphosate that are being sprayed into the earth, it's insane. It's like I don't know how many millions of tons, but if you were to take like random rainwater, the odds that you would find some glyphosates in that are actually That's what's relatively really high. Yeah, it's like you you can't like avoid it. It's no. like going to come back as rain or whatever. Well, that's what uh, when you do that interview with Dr. Bush, that's what he was saying. Like even if you're getting organic food, you're still getting a percentage of of getting that in there. You're getting a, the soil is all fucked up from the well, rain. So, so think it doesn't about matter this. if it's organic food or not. So he was telling me about that and he said We're that doomed. if we stopped using them, it would take 100 years for it to get cleared out if we just stopped everything completely, but that's not going to happen. But then I think about like when you're having like grass-fed, you know, foods or whatever, are you really 100% good because they're eating grass that got rained on with mm-hmm. all these glyphosates? You can't get away from it. They're finding it in breast milk. It's got to be a, a, a huge difference though. Like it can't be close, is it? I mean, the difference between going organic versus someone who's just going Oh yeah, you're not getting it sprayed directly <clears throat> on your food. You're getting kind of like, you know, leftover or residue or whatever. Right. But to think that it has no impact on anything at all, I think is asinine. It's going to have some kind of an impact. I know the way glyphosates work is they interrupt something called the shikimati pathway, Doug. Am I right about that? You believe so? And that pathway is I found. Think you're wrong. Yeah, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. And it's found in Look bacteria. Up, so it can interrupt the, this pathway in bacteria that can cause bacteria to die. And so we're spraying it all over the soil and essentially sterilizing uh, the ground sterilizing the earth and we don't necessarily know what that means if that's you know necess- bad or good but it's definitely different yeah you know what i mean <laughs> i brought some news for justin i got uh Ooh. two things for you because i can't ever talk sports with just or for with sal yeah let's just i love sports ball do this yeah. okay the yeah, first one for you ball. though did you see the reese's peanut butter cup what they're they're releasing no oh uh, yeah they, so they're coming out with two new reese's peanut butter cups and one of them's for the the peanut butter lover and then one's for the chocolate lover so one is like the reverse, so it's all like peanut butter on the outside with a little bit of chocolate in the middle. How does that work? It's all like squishy. I don't know. I haven't tried it. <laughs> Wait, how? Is that is that French for squishy? squishy. Doug can pull the picture yeah, up what it looks like. It, yeah. it looks it good. Looks like a it looks it, yeah, it looks yeah. good. And then uh did you see did you see with the the Cardinals the news with a new coach? So there's a new they have a new young coach like McVay I over did there. see that. So apparently they're getting like phone breaks, like like cell phone breaks, so like Instagram. The first the first so the brand new coach gets hired with the Cardinals and the first, you know, uh thing that he implements is cell phone breaks for bra- for practice. So wait, they, wait, and like, this is for practice. Yes. So wait, the, wait, practice like a, a break. Like, okay, guys, let's stop practicing. So the so the players this can go over and check their absurd. social, so that they can check their social media. It's and and I can't. He was quoted saying like they they just they want to get to it so bad that he wants to integrate it into the practice instead of keeping them from it the entire practice. So there was this huge debate over how yeah, ridiculous this is or not. Now, is this because they're just you know, acting like children, or is it because they're... Well, they are. You got to think a lot of these athletes are 20, 22 oh, yeah, years huh? old and, and grew up with Instagram since they were kids. How and long they're now it? an NFL player, so they're just like you know getting like messages constantly right. addicted it, to it. Yeah, but is it maybe it's because the they're building like their their side business or trying to build their brand and trying to attend to it? No? Well, they can justify it like that all they want, but yeah. that's... Practice. No, no, it was. He was quoted for talking about them, them wanting to get to social media, not like it's. Oh, we were trying to encourage them. What a to hard build. life, man! You gotta, you gotta take a break from playing <laughs> a game to go well, check I, your social I, media. I, what I think is crazy is just that a coach would even think that he would need to do something like that. That's how much this is changing. You're feeding into it. 
Like you got all the, of course, all the old coaches are going like, "What the fuck? Uh, this is crazy." How yeah. is it, how is it in schools right now and in, in high schools and stuff with cell phones? Are kids just? Well, Justin's the one that cruises by them all the time. Yeah, I oh mean, my God. <laughs> come on, that's dude. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that's horrible. Yeah, I used to give that joke on Sal. It sounded yeah, like when I do no, that. No, man. Fuck. There's too many times people think don't know how to respond to that. So, so uh, what, what are they doing? Are they just talking to each other? Because like, I feel like you could cheat so easily now with cell phones and stuff. What do you mean cheat? Well, you're in the classroom. You just be like, you know. oh, you're talking about the high school kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. see, in our NFL. day, it was it was those uh, big graphing calculators that we would like slide well, we could, up. And don't we can, have Enzo? We Enzo knows. You can ask him afterwards. Or you'd like yeah. memorize all the stuff. On Dude, there. we used to write letters. Do you guys remember writing people letters? Can you still? You're fold, older than us. Can you still fold the note thing where it like tucks in and you yeah. pull it out? Dude, you fucking one year younger Come than me, dude. On. What did you? Nobody, yeah. nobody you never wrote letters? letters? You're a liar. <laughs> oh, you just drove penises Dear all Dear Sarah, yeah. you look so great today. You guys never did that? You never did that? Send. Like, do you like me? Yes, yeah. no, maybe. Oh, Check yeah, out. those those things. What do you call that? Cootie thing? catcher. The cootie it's catcher. A cootie catcher. I picked yeah, four. Yeah. One, two, three, four. Yeah, those are, those are pretty cool. I did that, yeah. Anyway, so uh, here's some cool news. Mm. Facebook is going to be creating their own cryptocurrency. Oh really? After yes. it's taken after crypto after been it took a shit? a shit, yeah. Well, I don't, even, I don't even check my money on that ever. No, thanks, Adam. Yeah, yeah thanks hey, for that advice. Hang on to it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Thirty, maybe forty years later, Adam, yeah, it'll bounce back. Adam's I'm, whole his whole pitch was: I'm still hey, pe- I, I, people are going to buy drugs I, online. Yeah. So you know they're going to be. So it's always going to be there. Actually, it's not a bad. Hey, it's, I, that's the truth. I, 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 yes, it is the uh, truth, and I most certainly wouldn't sell mine right. Except now. when the guy dies, that he has all the shares. Yeah, that can fuck you. That sucks. So so anyway, so they're going to use a cryptocurrency so people can buy things through Facebook with this this currency. So I mean, and and here's the thing with well, imagine just the fact that Facebook is adopting that. Facebook's what massive. That's, what that's going to do to crypto, period. Just the fact that Facebook is going to adopt something like that will in- initially drive everything no, else. No, that out. is big news. Oh, yeah. it's great because how many, I mean, we, we've talked about this before. Facebook is the most informed entity on earth of its citizens or users or whatever. They know everything about their people, way more than anybody else. And it's all voluntary shit. So it's like yeah, they, they creep me out. They know what you do, but they also know, you know, what you like, what you comment on, what you say. So, you know, and then they're creating this cryptocurrency. It's going to be real interesting how they're going to sell you shit and stuff like that. When's yeah. it being implemented? Um, right now, they're investing in blockchain uh, technology. This was reported by Bloomberg. So it's still a little bit of a speculation, but they did hire uh, a crypto team in their San Francisco office, I think it said, the article. It's, it's well, hopefully tightened up their infrastructure. Do you remember what happened to them just recently? No. Uh, oh. oh. So this guy, this guy stole... Uh, well, between Google and Facebook, it was seventy-five million that he grifted basically by sending them bills. He just sent them bills, and they just just sent them bills, <laughs> you know, from some random company that's like, "Hey, I'm a software company from Taiwan or whatever," yeah. and they just paid it. They're just like, "Oh, well, we got to pay the bills." Doug and I were just having conversations around shit like this. I mean, when when shit's coming in and out yeah. so fast, and you're paying contractors, how easily you could slide in Dude. and just be like, "Oh yeah, the two grand for that mic upgrade thing we fixed, audio whatever." And you're like, okay, that's like old school burglar guy, you know. So, like, so think how, how much did he get out of? How much did he do? Seventy five million. Whoa! You know what I think when I hear this? How much time? How much? How, how busted is he? Well, he's busted. He had. I yeah, think yeah, he no gave shit. fifty back, but there's still the rest of it's like spent. In, yeah, all over the place. You know what I think when I hear this? Seventy five million. I think what an idiot. He could have got away with five. You know what I'm saying? He had to get greedy. He got greedy. He, he kept going. You know, you're right. You know, he's a hero. Pull that. Pull that on Amazon. Hero. You know, except they're probably tight. Well, probably the, the other question right would away. be then: How many others have already? Mm. How many other guys did walk away? Yeah. You know what this reminds me of? Um, what was the uh, what was that movie? The Office. 
Remember when they they do that? They move the decimal oh, yeah, point or yeah, take so the, the extra like a fraction thing. of a penny. Yes. Yeah, 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 gets deposited over another account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it's it reminds the perfect me. Perfect crime. Well, that's how it works. Oh, anyway, God. Adam, how's your um your new rowing uh, uh, routine going? I'm I'm actually really enjoying it. Now, what kind of a rower did you get? A water rower. Yeah, I know that. But what's the what is it like? How much are they? Two grand? Three grand? Two. Two thousand. So it's like yeah. legit. You can get them for a wage. I mean, you can get them for like five hundred bucks. But why did you get one for two? Well, I read all the reviews on all of them, and and most of the ones that were cheaper were getting bad reviews for something a piece breaking off or some shit like that. And oh, you know, it's it's decent. You know, if you're like an old grandma rowing on it, I know I'm gonna get after it. So yeah. like, I, I want I wanted a commercial one for my house, which I know is kind of dude, an asshole. Dude, who are you, dude? Swimming, rowing. I know what the hell's going on you know, here. Like, yeah. Just when you think I'm over here, you do <laughs> Pilates, <laughs> Pilates next. Maybe. How's he doing it, Justin? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you row. I, well, leg warmers. What's the technique? Did, are you? Is this all because you're trying to beat Ben Greenfield? Is that still no, no? In the play? I mean, I, of course, there's there's some hidden motivation. Uh, for that is that know. still going on or is that it never was anything official it's just been some friendly shit talking between him and i via uh, text message kind of backing DM. out now a little bit uh, whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> Oh, you're coming out strong. No one fucking said that. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'm, just, I'm not going to claim that there's a date like that's happening right now. That mm. None of that's happened. It's been playful and fun right now. Absolutely, I'll be training to make sure that if he does call me out, that I fucking can back it up. So, Bro, you had trunks made. What happened? Oh, don't, are you, are are you going to rent them out? Yeah, don't I, spoil that. Okay, fine. Yeah, but yeah. I just... We'll tell our audience off, off I, air about all We'll just stuff. say that we're going to add fuel to the fire is all. Yeah, yeah. no, I, it's, I, have, I, I have some plans. The, the rowing was to complement that. So the, and, and the rowing is partially, uh, you know, getting ready for dad life a little bit. Mm. So I wanted something at the house. Wait, where, why, why getting ready uh, for dad life? What do you mean? Well, you know, if I can't come back over here to the gym, if I'm going to be, I know oh. there'll, there'll be some time where I'm going to be over there and not coming over here at all for a while. And so I want access to something like that. And so in case you have like all this extra time because you have a new baby, you're going to go do a little cardio in the garage? Bro, you, you, <laughs> you row, you row for about 15, 20 minutes. You're good. That's, that's, that's you want to have five minutes, bro. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I, I won't have five minutes, but yeah. I, I think that it's, well, it also complements swimming so well. Like swimming is all core, back, and arms, right? Yeah, I true. mean, that's, that's mostly what swimming is, and that's mostly what rowing is. I mean, it's, it's core, back, and arms. And so they complement each other. So here's a, here's the the strategy for me right now is uh, I'm trying to get in the gym to lift a minimum of at least two times inside the gym. So ideally, I'd like to be there three or four. But realistically, I've had some weeks where I'm only lifting like two times a week. And then I'd like to be swimming at least two to three times a week. And then I'm using the rower if I don't do either one of those. Supplement. Yeah. So yeah, if I perfect. shit happens at work, we work all day long. Like the, last night, this is what happened. I, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, I'm down in the garage and I'm, I rode 5,000 meters and then I went to bed. So I'm using it like that. So it's complementing my swimming. It's also, and I've also noticed lately, man, we just haven't, we have, especially since we haven't been flying and traveling and doing a lot of stuff, we've been here so much. Like I got back. I've never to, been so sedentary. In my oh life. my god, it's it's crazy. Yeah. I was lo I was looking at. I was I've been tracking again to kind of just see where I was at, and I I'm 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 gaining weight on like three thousand to thirty two hundred calories. That's crazy for me. Yeah, because you're such a fat. Normally like four or five. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm used to being able to consume four or five thousand. Obviously four or five thousand. I'm a much bigger. I'm in bodybuilding mode. But even I mean to go from that all the way to put fat on at three yeah. so i gotta stay at like 25 to 27 mm -hmm. right now and for my side it's just because we're not moving at all so that's kind of the motivation too is like i just need to i need to move more you don't realize how especially when you're working in a gym how many steps you actually take 
because oh, yeah. you're training people all day long and picking weights up, moving. Did on you guys ever measure yeah. your steps with the body bug when you were personal yeah. trainers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you'd hit like fifteen thousand, fifteen to twenty every day. Easy, oh, right? easy. every day. Yeah, no problem. Just <clears throat> from walking around the gym. And and now now I have to make an <clears throat> an effort just to hit ten. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm probably hitting five thousand on a regular basis. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I do want to say it's crazy that we've done a thousand episodes. Yes. This is this to me is really exciting. It's flown by. We've yeah. done a lot. It's yeah. it's neat to feel like we're in a fishbowl right now too. It's a little different. Yeah, yeah. I like remember fucking staring at us right uh, now. You know, it's funny. We we had uh, <laughs> we haven't Sorry. drank during we our podcast for a long time. We never do. This is what we did early on. And I yeah. remembered. I don't know what episode it was. I hope somebody. I hope one of you guys knows what episode it was. But do you guys remember that one well, day that I drank, I poured drinks for everybody? Yeah. And they were a little heavy handed. Yeah, and it was when Adam was prepping for a show. Yeah, so you were like low calorie yeah. and so carb depleted. I mean, we, this we is used Doug's to, living room. Yeah, we used to do this at night too. Like we we don't podcast we podcast in the morning now in like until like noon maybe, but uh like just doing this, it's a totally different energy. I mean, we used to do this like we'd do two or three on a Monday yeah. and try and knock them out and then work our regular jobs. Till like week. 8, 9 p.m. at night. Yeah. and yeah. I, But I remember pouring those drinks and we were going. And like we would get smashed. Yeah, and halfway through, we're like, we got to stop the podcast. Yeah. yeah. That was a little too much. Mm. But anyway. It's it's crazy that a thousand have gone by already. It feels like it was just kind of yesterday when we first started it off. Does. It does. It went by so fast. But when you think about um, all the ways we, all the old episodes and how we started, it does seem like it was a long time ago. You know what I'm saying? I mean, our, our studio used to be, gosh, it was like the size of maybe a, a, maybe not even half of this this uh, this space here. And we were like right next to each other. Oh, I yeah. could reach out and touch you guys. Yeah. And oftentimes grab my I, would, leg all the time. I would do that oftentimes. That place was so hot. And oh, yeah. I let and it happen. It was, a, it was a good time up the street. And now we're doing this. The, and the mustache lady next door. Yeah. Oh, dude. She was... Yeah. She did not like us. Oh, I forgot that. She, remember she remember when that, Justin so. slept with her? That was crazy. That was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't tell my wife. <laughs> I think she doesn't listen yeah. to the podcast. She might now, though. It was yeah. a good massage. Yeah. Yeah. I had to pay out. Yeah. That's right. She was a massage therapist. She that's, was what, a mas- that's what she was. She was a nice lady. It wasn't yeah. even... It wasn't. Uh, How about the... And then we had fashion. the weed place right next to us. Remember yeah. that? They were like on the other side of the wall. Weed massage. Like what? Yeah. Of course. We're right in the middle. How about the Chimera commercial that we did where I had... I walked in on you guys, and you were oh, yeah. snorting. I was the, doing lines of Chimera. The, <laughs> what the hell were we thinking? Back did we really do Chimera, that? We put lines of. Uh, did we actually do that? Yeah, uh, we shot it. That was our that was our first ever attempt at some uh, an advertising commercial. Brilliant! It was, yeah, just it was so between smart. that and the porn I, ads, I think we were winning. I yeah. think we sold three bags. It was pretty good. <laughs> it was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I think it was anyway, pretty good. it's been a fucking pleasure, man. Yeah, yeah. it's been a pleasure with you guys. It's been a ride, dude. I'm looking forward to the next 1,000 episodes. 100%. All right. You guys ready to answer some questions? Let's I see. Do it. Let's go. Let's fucking do it. Hubert Ace is at five mile initial. Hubert's all right, Roger. That uh, left brake departure end of runway 21 left. You'll be uh, entering uh, basically downwind and uh, breaking the ball of an LJ35 there on final behind you. Hubert Ace, copy's off. Thanks. Reach 435. Right, we get right. to pitch out uh, initial, so that's pretty cool. All right. So, my name is uh, Juan Martinez, and I've been listening since episode one. Yeah. Back when, uh, Real OG. Back when I was running those uh, Joe Donnelly programs. Yeah. But you guys uh, you guys saved me from overtraining and dying. So. <laughs> all right. Shots fired. You see, you. All the, you see all the drama with him lately? Oh, I love it. Oh, boy. It's, it's like, I need to get my popcorn. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, for each of you, if you guys were to be on a TED Talk to talk about something you're extremely passionate about, what would it be? Oh, my oh, God. Oh, Wow. 
So you start. You're most likely to do that. Yeah, um, I don't want to do it. So is that an answer <laughs> yeah. for me? Yeah. No, go ahead. Tell Honestly, me. I think the the thing that I would want to talk about right now. I mean, of, of course, I could talk about health and fitness and how to approach nutrition from a, a you know a pragmatic standpoint and all that stuff. But to be quite honest, I think the next big thing in health and wellness, the the thing that we're all going to have to start to talk about and have conversations around is digital wellness. I really think that's the next big one. And I think the best people to communicate that are not tech uh, experts and tech uh, professionals. I think it's going to be people like us who've worked with clients for a long time and helped them modify behaviors around food and exercise. Because it's really, it's really this kind of the same thing. It's a different uh, you know, it's a different thing than nutrition and fitness, but it's similar in the sense that, you know, if you're, if you're a 14 a year old kid today, you likely grew up with technology in your hand. It's been around for your whole life. And so your behaviors have been solidified. You've developed these recruitment patterns, if you will, it's the same way we talk about exercise, but they've been solidified. And in my experience, working with people who've had terrible diets their whole lives, and they come to me in their forties or fifties or thirties, even Changing those behaviors is a slow, arduous process. But I have developed over you know two decades of working with people techniques and methods and ways of communicating and getting people to be able to make those changes. And it takes a while, but I think I've achieved a certain level of success now because I've worked with so many people. Those same strategies can be applied to developing practices around technology. And I think that the fitness and, and the health and wellness space is going to be the space, or at least should be the space, to communicate that and and talk about the dangers of not having practices around them. So, I think if I were to go talk, uh, uh, do a TED talk, it probably would be around that. I don't think I would. I, I I don't think I have any business doing that for sure. I think that I'm passionate about a lot of things, um, but I think to do a TED talk, I think you should be an expert. Um, so I don't think I would even have a desire to do a Ted talk, nor do I think I belong up there, even in what we do here, right? Like, uh, one of my biggest pet peeves right now in, in our space is people that get to a point where they finally reach, uh, six figures or seven figures or even eight figures. And then instantly they pivot into mastermind groups and, and teaching others and selling all the rest of you on how to do that. It's like, just cause you got to that yourself doesn't make you an expert on doing that and teaching others how to do that. So I don't even think that I'm at that level with what we've built here to go up and speak on stage and tell everybody else like Gary V style what the fuck they should be doing. Uh, maybe if you ask me that question five years from now and Mind Pump is so much bigger than what it is and then I feel like that, but right now where I'm at, like I don't think that. Do you think it'll be around business though? Because you're kind of alluding that. Oh Well, it would, it would be around that more than it, I, th- I, I think that I've had more success in that than I've had in fitness. I mean, just because I competed and got on stage and got shredded and I've trained a lot of people. Uh, I don't think of myself as uh, an expert in the field that should be standing up on a TED Talk and, and telling other people what's up. I just don't think that. And if there's anything that I'd feel confident in, it would be building a business in this space and talking around that. But even then, I, would, I, I wouldn't see myself doing that anytime soon. I would have to be down the road when Mind Pump is something far greater than where it is right now. Yeah, probably like the importance of cheese in your diet. <laughs> or, uh, no, I, nah, I'm good. I like it. With Adam, I don't think that I would have to like have something really impactful and cool that uh, I studied or, um, you know, something I went through that I could pass along that was like, you know, like really well thought out. And, um, you know, I studied for years and accomplished, you know, 
half of my career of, of academia that led me up to the point where I could then teach whatever that subject matter was. I just don't think that just a general rah, rah, like inspirational speech, uh, to me, that's just, that's just a bunch of hot air and, and, and noise. And, uh, if it's something that you can, you could take like an astrophysicist up there and then they could break it down and communicate it on like a personal level and you, they could actually make it so your average person can understand it. That's what I think TED Talks are for and that's what it's awesome for. Uh, we need more of these professors to really start thinking about how they can condense their message and, and, and really relate to the crowd more than just speaking at them. Yeah, well, so. Some TED Talks, though, are just people's experiences and they're not necessarily experts. Like, yeah, those ones suck. Yeah, well, if no. something like, horrible happened to me, or you know what I mean? No, and not I even. made my way through it, like I would talk about that. No, some of the best TED Talks I've ever seen were people who are like, here's what happened to me. Here's a, There was a, a woman that got up there. Now, she was a, I want to say a psychologist or she was a, a scientist in that field. But she had suffered from a stroke, and half of her brain literally turned off. I can't, uh, a stroke of uh, insight, I think, was the name of the TED Talk. And so she's just talking about her experience of what it's like to have the analytical, logical part of your brain t turn off. And it was fucking fascinating hmm. to hear it communicated uh, from somebody who had experienced it. But she did such a good job. I think, you know, and, and I, here's the thing, though. And Sal's probably the only one narcissistic enough to want to do this, right? So I, I, think, I think Justin and I... And even Sal, I, I'm teasing him, but all of us... I'm playing make-believe. He's the only one that could pull it off. Well, yeah, probably, right? I mean, that's why he's the the face of all the videos that we do. I I hated YouTube. I hate fucking YouTube. This camera thing stuff, like, it's just... And talking to my phone, that I just absolutely... And it's not like I'm nervous. Like, I'm not afraid to do it. I just don't like it. It's just mm. not something that I enjoy doing. I love this. I love talking to people. Yeah. I love, like, that, but the... The camera, video, and all that stuff like that. Eh, it's just not a big fan of that. Didn't Ben do it? Didn't Greenfield just do a Greenfield done one? Max has Max done, one. done one. Max, I'm sure his was probably TEDx. real good. Yeah, they've yeah. done they've done so good. But, but shit, man. I mean, I think Max is so well read in oh, his, he's his so subject, polished. and I think Ben is extremely yeah. well polished. Like, mm. I don't know. I just uh, maybe maybe if you asked me that in five years, I'd have something I'm more passionate about. And, may, and when you bring something up like that, the thing that rings a bell with me is I would talk about like overcoming fear or something, something that I think I've dealt with my entire life as, and, and overcame that so many times. And I think that stifles so many people today. And so I, and I feel passionate about that. So maybe something along those lines, if that's the case, but by no means do I think I'm an expert in a field or should be up on a TED talk. What's up guys. My name is Dustin and I've been listening to the show since uh, 2016. What's up, man? What's up, <laughs> What's up brother? All right. So my question is growing up, you guys ran gyms in the fitness, personal training, What's a skill that you wish you developed in your early 20s? Ooh. Oh, wow. That's a really good question. Mm. Skill. Oh, okay. Here, this is easy for me. Um, in my, I wish I had somebody, because I, I come from uh, a family of immigrants. So nobody in my family um, really had a lot of money. They were hardworking. They saved their money. Um, but nobody knew how to invest their money. Nobody understood uh, how to take risks, how to leverage yourself. It was just the old school work hard and save. And so here I was, uh, 19, 20, I'm making, this is back in 1999, 98, 99, and I'm making, uh, you know, $120,000, $130,000 a year. And I lived with my parents and I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't have any concept of what to do with that. So all I did was throw it in the bank. I literally just saved it. I drove a Volkswagen and I saved my money and I wish I had like an older brother or an uncle or somebody, a mentor who could be like, hey, dude, you're a young kid. You got nothing to lose. 
let's take this money, let's invest it. And at this point now, if I were smart back then and I had invested it properly, at this point, I'd be independently wealthy. Are we talking about financial advice right now? Or are we talking about like fitness business advice? Uh, he said whatever. Anything. Oh, anything? Yeah. Okay. Any, yeah. I'm thinking like fitness along the lines of no, fitness when I go back and tell 20-year-old me, like, I wish I would have known running the gyms back then. Yeah, no, I got the impression he was like, whatever, anything, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't just say what. Don't say yes. Just because he fucking. Don't let him assumption close you like that. Right? Yes, that's what you're talking about. No, I felt like it was like a fitness related question. All right. Well, you can go, and I'll come up with a different one. <laughs> I I think the when I think about something that I learned um, leading trainers way later on that would have saved a ton of energy, would have made me way more successful uh, when I was younger. When I when I first came on the scene in fitness, uh, I and I was reading stuff around then too, but not as much as I was later in my 20s. I was big on the like speed of the leader thing. And so my, my attitude was I'm going to run so fast uh, that somebody else will want to race with me or, or I'll get one or two people attracted to that. And between me and those two other people, I could destroy goal and be successful. And for actually many years, I was really successful doing that. Now, the shitty part about that was I had a very high turnover rate of employees. I mean, I would, you would come in and you would either get on board or I'd burn you out and then be on to the next one. And I just kept turning over, turning over. But why it was so such a pain in the ass, or what I when I look back now, thinking like uh, I wish I would have didn't, I wish I would have known what I know now is I was successful, so I was kind of blinded by that. That was the way to do things, and I remember when I finally pieced together to stop looking at my staff and trying to get them to be like me. Just because I had proven the model, I had been really successful. I was in search of trying to change everybody into me and, and teach them how I do things. And, and when I stopped doing that, I started looking at my team as just like a, like a football team and looking at them at, at different players with different strengths. And if I hired you and I brought you on, I obviously, you obviously passed the character test with me. Like I liked your character. Now I needed to be okay with you may be terrible at sales or you may be terrible at lead generations or you may be terrible at training clients. You know, you're not the best as far as program design and being okay with that and then figuring out the things that they were really good at and teaching them to double down on that. And that was a lesson I learned first for myself. And then when it like the light bulb went off, like, oh, that's how I should lead too. You know, I, I got the message for myself, like when I was in my early twenties, but I still was trying to make them all into me. What was I thinking? I should have done that early on where I was looking at everybody else going like finding their strengths and then teaching them to double down on those strengths. When I figured that out, my clubs were like way more successful and then work was easy. I could literally put my feet up and we were crushing goal all the time and I didn't feel like I had to push nowhere near as hard as I used to have to in my early 20s. So. You didn't have to run as hard mm. as, a, as a manager. Oh, totally. No, yeah. it, was, it, it, got, it literally got easy for me. It, it went from being... I, I uh, embraced the grind because I was that guy. I was the, which is why you hear on the show all the time why I'm so passionate about no days off. I was that guy. I was like the sleeps for pussies, you know, oh, grind man. like no days off. Sleep like, when I die. But that my that was around like work for me. That was how my work ethic was, and it ma and it made me very successful for a long time. But it did get tired. It, it wore me down, and and it was tough. And I burned out a lot of people. When I when I pieced that together and became a better leader, oh man, my job I was more successful. It was easier. Like that was a, that would have been a game changer to know that early on. Yeah, I think for myself to talk uh, about my twenty year old self, the biggest sort of thing that I struggled with was uh, being too self critical uh, and 
to basically, I limited myself from experiencing risk and uh, getting myself out in public and doing things where I got judged. And uh, I was too, I was, I was too nervous, but I was, I was more just like very hard on myself to, to be the best. And um, that worked well for me with sports. Uh, I was very critical of myself and always trying to improve, but getting out in front of people, I was terrified. I was terrified of that. Um, but you know, for me to then get through that and, and, and work on that, um, just for me to now kind of be in a place where I believe more, uh, with what I have to offer and, and, and knowing that I have the experience to speak on certain things. Uh, if I would have had more belief in the fact that I do know more than your average person and to be able to convey that to somebody standing right next to me, I would have been a lot more successful a lot earlier, but you know, it again, like you talk to my 20 year old self, I wouldn't have learned all these things anyway. I wouldn't have listened to myself. Like, uh, I had to go through that process of really like, uh, refining that and, and, and figuring out how to make myself better through this long path of where I am today. So, uh, I don't really, I wouldn't change it, but at the same time, if I could like that, I would be even further. Yeah. So what's funny is you think about that, like, would you have even listened I don't to think your so. own. There's some things I would have listened to, I think. It's it's interesting, right? Because I remember when I was 20, I thought I knew it all. And right. I and, and it's and the thing that I know now is that I remember how I thought before, so I remind myself today. You know what I'm saying? Like it, when I think it, I know it all, it's it okay, it's no different than It when depends I was on how ingrained it was in me. Like the I, the drive to be successful and make money at such a young age for me, that was so ingrained that nothing like nobody was going to come tell me like yeah, balance get some yeah sleep, you know money yeah. isn't the answer it's okay if you don't make a lot of oh, like yeah. like that there's no yeah. way it was like, that would have been like i'm going to figure that out for myself i'll be the judge uh, mm-hmm. of that let me get rich and then i'll make that decision exactly yeah. so mm-hmm. i think that that you would have never been able to get through but something like w- what i said i think if i came back and was wiser older me and said hey dude like you're gonna you're gonna waste a lot of time trying to get these people to be more like you they're never gonna do that you're better off looking into their strength because that makes mm-hmm. sense to me now it made mm-hmm. so much once it once the light bulb went off it made so much sense i had so much success from it that i think man if i could have whispered in my ear at 20 years old and told myself that i probably would have listened to that advice maybe mm-hmm. but some i know I, I you're right i wouldn't even i'd be like yeah get out of here mm-hmm. dude i gotta figure this out myself hi i'm laura hi laura hi, laura how long have you been i like listening how long have you been listening to mind pump for about a year a oh, year, cool. okay. Yeah, but I started at the beginning, so. Oh my oh, god! Oh, I apologize. Now is that because did you somebody make it all the way through? Did somebody tell you to do that? This one. Okay, so <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. My apologies about those early yeah. episodes. <laughs> There's a difference. Anyway, um, my question is: What has been the most unexpected outcome from having a successful podcast that you wouldn't have believed a thousand episodes before? Oh wow, that's a cool question. Um, Probably what's happening right now, like the the first time, uh, and this is funny for me, like. The first time I started getting like random people coming up to me, uh, and I'm a social person and, and, uh, I never had that experience where someone would come up to me and you can see the look in their eyes when they look at you, like they feel like they really know you and I'm, they do if they listen to it. Right. Right. And I'm looking back going, and I'm pretty good with faces. I'm not the best always with names. And if I'm looking at your face, I'm going, fuck, I know I don't know this person right now, but they are looking at me like I should. And Katrina said it was, I had a terrible look on my face all the time. She'd always be elbowing me and be like, just smile first, you know, at least fucking smile. And then you could figure out, cause I'd be like, hun, I don't know how to fucking react. Cause I don't know who it is. I don't know if I'm supposed to know who they are. I don't know if they're looking at me or the person behind me. Like, so that was, uh, I, I, I didn't think about that because that stuff didn't matter to me. I mean, even, even all of us, when we started this business, which is also, I think 
what's contributed to the success of it is it's never been about fame or being popular or Instagram likes or any of that stuff. It was always about the why, the message, what we wanted to do in the industry. Since we started, we even, I mean, we talked early on that the, the goal was to scale ourselves out of the business. We wanted to do just this part right here. We didn't want to be the face of it. We didn't want to be in the videos. We don't want to be on YouTube. So because we are already like that, where that just stuff didn't matter to us, when it started happening anyways, where people were recognizing you and coming up to you, uh, I wasn't ready for that. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it felt... Uh, it's weird. Yeah, it was It was different at first. Yeah, it's yeah I think... I think, too, uh, just the diversity of people that listen to us, like in terms of we just come across so many walks of life and um, people obviously like this Air Force pilot, you know, I'm like, what the, what am I doing here? Like, why did you guys listen to us? Like, it just baffles me. Like, you know, everybody in their unique business that they have, like, it isn't even fitness related a lot of times too, which we do get a lot of people that listen that are definitely like diehard fitness people and they get our message like right away. But, um, I feel like after this many episodes, we've been able to start to kind of break into people that really don't give a shit about fitness necessarily, but they just like kind of the, you know, the banter and the stuff we do on the show. And we're starting to kind of reach uh, a different a different type of an audience, which is cool. But I never thought we'd, I thought we'd just be talking to our gym people. Mm. Uh, so... For the weird, I, I think when I think about um, how much I've grown personally with some of the uh, guests, that's a good point. That, I thought to myself when we first started this, I thought it would be really fun. We'd have great conversations. We're going to do a good thing. We're going to communicate what we've been communicating for so long to clients, but we get to do it now, um, you know, through media. So hopefully we get to reach more people. Um, I had no idea the growth that I would experience. The, Part of the growth is because I get to sit down and have really long, deep conversations with two really smart guys. Like we get to sit down on the podcast and go back and forth and that's really cool. And so I, I grow through that. And then the guests, that's the crazy thing. We'll get guests that'll come in. And the crazy thing is oftentimes it's people that are super unassuming. Like we just had yeah. um, Sanjay mm-hmm. Rawal um, as a guest. Did you guys listen to that? And he... We, we were all kind of like... Oh, we almost didn't take the interview. Yeah, we're like, oh, it's a you know endurance guy, well, I mean, runner. we're big runners. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. And, and we're like, okay, well, let's you know let's let's talk to him. He's kind of... Maybe he's interesting. We'll see. And that podcast was very impactful. It was yeah. very, very impactful. And he made some amazing points. It, uh, actually, it actually played it, and I didn't say that when you asked me earlier. It played it in the role of getting the rower. Oh, was yeah, I, I, I've been doing it with that kind of uh, thought process in mind of that it being, spiritual. Yeah, practice. being very meditative, and yeah, that's, that's cool. why I don't have anything going. There's no TV. I'm down in my garage by myself. Isn't that crazy? That's yeah. cool. Like, how many practices and things have we changed because oh, of the people that we've talked ton. to? Amount. No, that's a good point. A that's ton. probably I would have never guessed. Yeah, that that that's blowing my mind. There's always something that it's never a month goes by. Doctor Warren Farrell for me. Right. We've, yes. we've talked about this. Just uh, I the importance of rough play and, and, and me like really making sure to do that with my kids. Cause it was one of those things I kind of did when I'd get home or whatever, but it was like, Oh wow. I, I realized like for, you know, developmental purposes and just, you know, behavioral purposes and just so many benefits to it that I didn't even realize like we're tied into that. And I was like, Oh wow. I'm definitely yeah. like doing this uh, intentionally and then, now. And the other thing is that you, we have leverage because our podcast is now a certain size which is crazy because I can call somebody who I would never get the opportunity to talk to. Like I'd never get the opportunity 
to talk to some of these incredible, you know, thought leaders and intelligent individuals and influencers, whatever you want to call them. But now I can call them or, or message them and be like, hey, I have this podcast. Oh, I've heard your podcast. Do you want to come into my studio? And I get to sit down and talk to these people. It was really surreal to sit down and interview these old school bodybuilder heroes of mine that I grew up watching in the 90s, you know, like Flex Wheeler and Sean Ray, for example. I used to read about the routines in magazines. Now they're on my show and I get to ask them whatever I want. I mean, it's, it's freaking crazy. The growth, for sure, I would have never predicted at all. I would no, have never thought in a million years that I would have changed and grown as much uh, as I have. Um, and that I'm eternally grateful for. My name is Elena. So now did you did someone turn you on to the podcast or did you just find it randomly? I have no idea how I found it. Um, I found out you coached at Orange Theory Willow Glen where I go. Oh, okay. Uh, so I found out after I'd been listening to it a little bit about that, related a lot more. And then, yeah. Cool. Been listening ever since. Thank from you. Episode one, which is my favorite episode ever. Oh my god! Female <laughs> Miss Exposed or whatever that yeah. is. All right, that's so right. Um, so my question is, well, I love the maps programs, and I will do whatever a trainer or coach tells me to do in the gym. My problem is I don't know how to create my own fitness program mm. so I can sustain that for life without paying someone else to do mm. that. So I I want to strength train for life, but I don't know how to construct that program. Oh, good. That's wow. a great question. You're on the right track. Yeah, you're on the right track. One of the best ways to figure out your body is just to constantly practice and train and practice and train. And over time, you start to learn, you know, uh, what works for you, you start to learn how to apply intensity for your body, what exercises seem to work best for you. Well, it takes a long time, but that's you're, you're on the right track. Just being consistent alone will teach you a lot of what not, you need to know. Not to mention that, but a lot of the, the motivation behind when we when we wrote maps were we were writing it not just as a, hey, follow this program, too. It was trying to like kind of ch- teach the fundamentals, too. And, and we, you guys know if you listen to all the, sh- the shows that we encourage people to mold and change and customize for themselves. But the idea of the programs was to, to teach people the, the, the major philosophies, the big rocks of how you should phase in and out of your workouts, the importance of strength training, the importance of hypertrophy, the importance of endurance, how long you should stay in those types of adaptations and phases. So... The idea that if I mean you could literally go through you know three or four of the programs and rot- rotate through for the rest of your life and you would be fu- you'd be better off than ninety percent of the people out there working out at gyms if you just did that if you were just went through the you know three fu- foundational programs and rotated through the rest of your life you would be doing way better than most people. Yeah. In so. fact, we, we kind of put the blueprints out there for again for you to have structure. But at the same time, like the podcast itself is a way to kind of explain and teach uh, those concepts in more depth. And I think that we tried to do that. And I know it's kind of hard to uh, go back and kind of like, like, you know, tie them into what program you're on currently. But we've we've started to do that more in depth, like we just did with with uh, Maps Aesthetic. And we tried to kind of go, uh, you know, again, to, to reiterate why we created it, like the the concepts behind it, why those concepts are there, why we phase, uh, you know, why all these like uh, certain acute variables were thrown in there, why we pair certain exercises together. So, I mean, we've we've tried to. I mean, this is kind of like a comprehensive course in itself where we're trying to present on the podcast, but we're we're we'll get there. We'll get there where it's like you can find it easier. And that will be able to pair to those programs. You'll be able to then apply it. And, oh, this this works really well with me and my body where I'm at currently. I'm going to apply these concepts. And 
our goal is to be able to keep educating all those points and then you to be able to go through it and really figure your own body out and your own rhythms. Yeah, think about it this way. Like, think about something that you do very well now. I don't know, maybe a hobby. Maybe you're you're really good at roller skating. Maybe you're a good cook. Maybe you're a good writer. Think about how it was when you first started and you had to learn fundamentals. You had to follow a structure. You had to, maybe you had a coach. Maybe you played sports and you had a coach teach you. But after a while of doing it time and time again, it starts to become instinctual. It starts to become quite intuitive. It just takes a lot of time. Well, now, not only that, but it's inevitable that there's going to be times where you. we know this. I mean, as much as I'd like to believe that everybody follows the program to an exact T and does everything, there are certain things. I mean, I just had my nephew. He's supposed to be following MAPS Anabolic, and, he, and, I, and I try to check up with him whenever I can. And he's like, hey, Uncle, um, do you think it's time for me to move to phase two? And I said, well, how long have you been in phase one for? Six months. <laughs> Why are you in phase one for two? Well, because I've been getting gains. I keep hitting PRs. I keep because he's seeing all these rolls. I'm like, do your joints hurt? He's like, yeah, my knees are starting to bother me a little bit, right? So, I, I, you're gonna do things like that. We know that. We know we're gonna put these programs out with a, a lot of good rules in place and structure. And it's inevitable that people are gonna get stuck in phases longer than they should because they like the way they feel, they like the way they look, or whatever. And what you're going to do is you're going to do that enough times and then you're going to do it right a few times and you see, oh, wow, I notice when mm-hmm. I follow these rules, it really makes a difference. And, oh, when I kind of bend the rules here, not so much, you know. So that's the idea is like you, you give you guys a really solid blueprint. Inevitably, people are going to weave in and out and probably stretch things longer, cut things shorter. And you find out when you listen to the show, the things that we are always trying to hammer home, like these are important, these are important. And it will. It'll just start to come together and you can start to blend, you know, different philosophies and different programs. Like there's nothing wrong with running a MAPS anabolic, but because you really see lots of benefit from mobility exercises like in performance, you take all the mobility days from performance and you put them inside of MAPS anabolic. You could totally do that. There's nothing wrong with that. We're basically showing you the, trying to show you the right direction, but to learn your own body takes, takes time. Mm -hmm. And over, and think about it this way. Look, the the fun the the goal of what we do is to help people develop a lifelong relationship with uh, with exercise, fitness, and, and good health and good nutrition. So it's, you're going to be doing this forever. So I guarantee you, if you continue this over time, you're going to get to that point. I promise you. It might take five years. It might take ten years. But then the rest of your life, you'll go into the gym and you'll know what to do. You'll know when you need to well, stretch. You'll know it, when you need look more Look how sleep. long it took us and, and we, we live and breathe this. Well, it, but you, you know, know it took fu- me a very long time. It did, to do but that. we didn't have the right direction. Well, that's what I'm I saying. wish I had maps when I first that's started. Part of the, that's part of Mind Pump's mission is to be able to give. It's like a shortcut. Yeah, exactly. Is to give what you, it took us 15, 20 years of screwing up for you guys in, in a, a much shorter form. So hopefully you, you get there a lot quicker than we did, but it still is going to take time. I mean, just, even if you went through every single program right now that would take you almost two years with as many as we did so it's going to take time of getting in there and practicing and seeing what works better for you what what areas you can't cut corners that makes the biggest difference i think that and there's opportunities in the future for us you know we have the forum right now too which is great to like bounce ideas back and forth if you're doing something right now and you're like well what if i incorporate mobility sessions with the aesthetic instead of the focus or whatever you know like people have have either experimented you know themselves with that or you know have great ideas and that's kind of like our our test kitchen for a lot of those types of things where you get through the programs, you do them to the T and then now we experiment on our own body. We figure out, you know, what really works best for us. Hi, my name is Alia. Hi, Hi. Alia. How long have you been listening? 
just under a year, and Michael here introduced me to you guys. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. a good guy. Keep yeah. him around. <laughs> yeah. When he first told me about it, I was like, they're probably just talking to guys. Like, right. I'm not going to listen to this, but I was, I was wrong. <laughs> so my question is, um, going back to the Mind Pump mission, if you guys were to accomplish the current mission, how would the business continue on, and how would you guys continue to add value to people's lives oh yeah i don't i don't think there's going to be a i don't think we're ever going to reach a destination i mean the mission is we'll be like the avengers at that point yeah no because we'll always have to defend all the assholes trying to come in all the time that's definitely not the justice i mean and and for the listeners who are listening to the podcast you know when you're referring to the mission you're referring to us kind of changing the, the direction and the message of the fitness industry one that's positive one that's not based off of insecurities or based off of uh, how terrible you you feel you look or whatever one that's filled with right information where if I were to read articles on fitness I know that 90% of it's going to be accurate versus the, what it is now which is 90% of it that's wrong I think if that ever, if we ever reach that which would be amazing hmm. we're just going to continue to foster it we'll continue to foster that I don't think I don't think we get, I don't think it's possible I think it, to be mm-hmm. honest it's a losing battle it really is it's it's really more about how many people can we save or how many people can we impact because you're we're talking about just a fitness space and there's still the other seventy five percent of the world that aren't even don't even give two shits about being healthier and better. Yeah. And we think that the the fitness space is fucked up. So it's like if we can even if we can fix them, we still have a whole bunch more people that we got to try and impact. Which is like to Justin's point earlier, that's really cool to see. And what we've all why we named it Mind Pump and it wasn't muscle something or fitness something is we wanted to be able to reach the people that may have never even gotten the gym if it wasn't for listening to us. Mm-hmm. So and we still haven't corrected the fitness industry. So if that ever could possibly happen, which I don't think it could possibly happen, we'll have an endless job of trying to reach yeah. the masses. Our best right? bet though, if if we were to make the biggest impact, uh, the strategy is to use new media uh, to get as much good information out there as possible, reach as many people and to influence the people uh, in the field, the, the soldiers in the field, the trainers, the people who are actually training people. Because I know as a trainer, I knew this as a trainer, Nobody impacted my clients like I could. They could listen to, you know, shows. They could watch videos. But at the end of the day, the person who really impacted them the most was always going to be me because I'm their trainer. And so, if we're going to do anything, uh, even remotely successful along those lines, it's going to be because of all the people that uh, help us. And it's going to be the people in the gyms, the people on the on the battlefield who are talking to other people, who are influencing other people, who are helping other people. They're the ones that are really going to make the big change. We're just trying to. We got to clean our. We have to clean our house up first too. There's stuff like so. For example, what's happening right now behind the scenes of Mind Pump, uh, we we've been building out uh, the new website all on HubSpot. It should go live probably in the next week or so. And the idea right now, where are we focused more so than even driving more revenue? Like right now, where we're at with our Facebook ads, we could turn up our Facebook ads and three x the business. But we don't because we're trying to service our current audience even better than what we are currently right now. So, and what I mean by that is right now, if some random person comes across a great guy that Sal wrote and they read it and they're like, oh my God, this is this was awesome. Who are these guys? Whatever. There's like an email sequence that starts getting dripped to them over the next seven days. And, and the way we have it set up, it's to build value. It's not to try and sell and market to them right away. It's like every... Every other day or every two days, they get like this nice email, fitness tips, cool YouTube videos, but it's still generic right now. Right now, I don't know who that was that opted in. And so what HubSpot's going to allow us to do, and we have somebody literally working around the clock on this right now because we get anywhere between 50 to 100 emails every day. 
that is starting to segment the people that are coming in. So I know, oh, this person's 35 years old, had two kids, trying to lose 30 pounds. Oh, she clicked on this guide. She read this blog. She's uh, shopping around at this program. So I know who these people are. So then we can go back and go, oh, this podcast episode, these three YouTube videos, mm-hmm. these two guides are perfect for her. Make sure those get sent over in a sequence and she gets that. So we're trying to find ways to give more free information, more uh, better information. And that's useful. It's yeah. useful to the people who are getting it. Right. So that's a, that we got to do. I mean, I want to get to a point where that we've done that so well uh, before we even start to break out beyond that. But that's over. That's on the horizon right now. So it's really cool. You guys will see the new website and everything that's coming. Then we got to make an AI version of us. That's right. <laughs> Dude. CGI. Lots of work. Mm-hmm. I'm the guy that put her on. Uh, right. Thanks, man. We right. like you. Appreciate it. But I've been listening, and my name is Michael. I've been listening for about a year. Cool. I was wanting to listen to a podcast and listen to you guys. You guys are just talking shit, current events. I love it. But uh, you guys are all great individuals. Who was, who was like, the had the most impact on you guys in your life? Like, the greatest mentors that had effect and influenced you guys to become the guys that you guys are today? Oh, wow. Mm. Wow. Uh, okay, so easy, my parents. But besides my parents, um, I was blessed to have... Uh, amazing mom and dad besides them my my first like mentor in fitness or in the business of fitness was my friend uh don cardona a good friend of mine he was a young general manager i think at the time when i first started working with him i was uh, i had just moved over to the sales side so i was a personal trainer became a fitness manager and in those days uh personal trainers didn't move over to general manager or sales it was you were either fitness or you were sales so I want I had I expressed some interest and said okay before you become a manager let's have you uh, be an assistant manager just to kind of learn the ropes. In comes in this new general manager who's Don uh, and he I think at the time was twenty let's see if I was if I was eighteen or nineteen he was probably twenty two or twenty three so young dude a lot of energy very intense um, and a absolutely brilliant communicator. I'll never forget um, one time where. I was doing a, a, a presentation, a sales presentation. I was talking to a potential member. And of course, your goal is to get them to want to sign up for your gym and, and hire a personal trainer so that they can you know, get fit and all that stuff. And I was just talking. And I kept going and I kept going and I kept going. And uh, Don hits me under the table. So I'm like, so I stopped, I stopped talking. So I, he took over. They ended up hiring a trainer and getting a membership. And when they left, he sat me down and he said, you know, he says, Sally goes, you're very passionate and you do a really good job ex- expressing yourself. You do a good job of ta- you know, communicating what you're trying to communicate, but you're a terrible listener. He said, excellent communication is more about listening than it is about talking. And had you continued on that path, you would have probably blown them out of the door and they would have never come back. And so what I learned from Dawn was really how to communicate effectively, not just to potential members, but also to staff. He was also a, a phenomenal uh, leader. He was my very, very first mentor. Um, and later on, I ended up uh, owning a business with him. And we're still in contact with friends. He actually owns a gym uh, in San Jose right now. I think it's uh, in the Silver Creek area. But I would say he was probably the most impactful because he was the first person. And since then, I've had many mentors. I, I learned later on that um, anybody could mentor me. If they just had a skill that I was, mm. uh, you know, that I found valuable, that I would watch what they did with that skill um, and just learn from observing. Um, even today, I get mentored by the by the men and, and women that I work with all the time. Uh, you know, Justin, Adam, and Doug. Um, you know, they don't they might not know. Actually, I probably told you guys, but there's certain things that they do that I admire, 
and I sit and watch and observe. Um, and it requires you to kind of be humble enough to be like, this person's better at this thing than I am. Um, but uh, I think mentorship is probably one of the best things you can do to to progress your growth is to find somebody or to find something in somebody that is that's something you want to learn or better than what you what you're doing in that aspect and just to pay attention and learn. Yeah, I've always been seeking people that know things that I don't or are better at things that I'm not. And that's just been part of the process of trying to better myself, surrounding myself with people that I know are killers in whatever industry or whatever pursuit that they're a part of. And uh, for me, it's 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 all like in this time sequence of when I was interested in sports, I would I would gravitate towards the the best athlete in the school or, uh, you know, really like spend that extra time with the coach that like could break down more of the logistics with me and all the specific things that will help to me to improve. So I would just break down film for hours and hours and hours. And I had a couple mentors of coaches that really helped me uh, improve my game. Uh, coming back out here, I mean, obviously my dad and my parents were, were very influential in terms of, you know, everything ingrained in me and, and, and my morals and, and just my character and everything with that. And then these these men in this room too, uh, actually met Adam first. So I, I guess he's first before Sal. But uh, I, I worked for him for, I don't know, maybe like three years. Uh, and it was, it was another humbling experience. I never trained anybody before. I had trained myself and was confident that I knew what I was doing, but quickly learned I didn't know jack shit. Like I, I found people that just didn't even know how to get up off the ground. Uh, they, they, they were lifting weights like in a way that I didn't know was possible with their arms flailing in all different directions. And it was confusing because I've always been around athletes who just immediately get it. And so, uh, you know, he gave me a lot of tools and, and ways to communicate and, uh, assess people. And, you know, I picked up on that and, and then there was other trainers there that I saw that were like the top of the class and, you know, I, I made sure to really mimic and mold the the aspects of them that I saw, you know, were, were the best attributes that they could provide me. And this has just been a, an ongoing process for me of, of finding people better than me and immersing myself, you know, with it's it's uh, that whole thing. Right. It's the five people that, uh, you know, you, you hang out with the most influence you and and. and and you become those people. So uh, that's really what's happened to me. Like I, <laughs> I, I hate like public speaking, you know, but I'm getting better at it. You know, I, I, I can't stand listening to myself talk, but I'm dealing with it. You know, like it's, it's all those things. So uh, I, I challenge people to, you know, just really look for those, those people that, you know, aren't just there and, and they're comfortable. Like they're going to challenge you. You, you, you got to put yourself out there and you really got to, um, you know, like, like find the courage to, to get out there. Well, we, we were really opposites when we worked together for sure. That's, I think that complimented each other really nice. My first, uh, my first like real mentor that I ever had was, and I've told some of the stories I think on the podcast, uh, about him, but I don't know if I've shared his name, um, was Mark Baker. I was 21 years old when I met him. And at this time, I had I've been working for the company already for about a year and a half. So I had already moved up the ranks really quick. I was now into management. 
I've been the top dog. I had set the club record for sales. I had set the club record for goal for a fitness manager. So I was kind of felt like I was the big swinging dick at this point and uh, for sure was was cocky. Uh, and this guy comes That's in. two dick references. I know, right in a row. Right there. <laughs> boom, boom. Yeah. Yeah. Pow, Freudian, pow. Freudian slips. So I, uh, this guy comes into my club. So this time we're getting a new manager, new GMs come into the club. I've never met him before. I know Monday I'm going to see him at work. Well, part of the, the job as a fitness manager is to run the weekend, so I'm in there working on the weekend. And uh, I get to work, I think, at like 8 o'clock in the morning or so, and I go over to my computer and I check the daily SMR, which just kind of tells you what's going on with sales. And I just wanted to see, hey, does, did anybody put something up before I got here? And that's because part of my job is to oversee sales and make sure that we have a good, day, successful Saturday and Sunday. And I click on it and we ha we're having the biggest day I've ever seen us have since I've been at this club. And the names on there are this guy that Mark, who I've never met. I'm like, what the fuck? This guy gets to my club. I've never even met him before. He's here just, I don't know how many hours he's here just before flexes me. flexes right away. Right away. Like right <laughs> away. So instantly has caught my attention. And, uh, you know, I introduced myself. He was totally rude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what his, he was known for. Yeah, yeah, what's up? I'm Adam. I'm the fitness manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he walked and just walked right past me. This fucking guy, right? But I'm very competitive and I'd never seen anybody do revenue with this. So I'm instantly interested in who this dude is. And he, he blew me away first by his work ethic. So much of my work ethic that I have today sure comes, you know, some from my childhood wanting to be successful, knowing that I have to work for the things that I want. So I, I definitely started there. It accelerated to another like ridiculous level when I met him. This guy was already must have been there at 6 a.m. His first day where he came in on a Saturday. He didn't have to work till Monday was his first day coming in. Already wrote more gross and revenue than I'd ever seen before. I'm like, dude, this dude's something else. So I first was attracted to that and we then became, we started to become friends over time and he, uh, he caught me one time in the back office and this is the story I've shared on the podcast before and I had just crushed goal the month before. My DM is coming in to check up on, uh, check up on me and I think he's going to come down and tell me what a great job I did because I just crushed goal and he comes in and he nitpicks all the things that I w wasn't doing well because I've talked on the show before that I just didn't have a lot of organizational skills. That was definitely a weakness of me. Was of mine was I was not organized. Paperwork was everywhere all the time. But we were successful. I was good with people. I was good with running a team. And he comes in and just basically points out everything I'm doing wrong. And I'm not a poor me or victim type of person. So okay, the very next day I'm at my desk getting organized, fixing all the things that boss told me. And it's like five six o'clock at night. This is prime hours for the gym. And Mark walks back and he kind of does like a double look at me and he sees I got all this paperwork scattered and I'm highlighting shit, getting all organized. And he walks over and he goes, Whoa, and he clears my desk off. And I'm like, what the fuck? He's like, what are you doing back here right now? And I tell him my, my DM, I said, well, oh, my DM was in here and he told me this, 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 this. And he says, listen, you're in your position for a reason at your age. He goes, stop focusing on the things that you're not good at. Focus on what you're good at and be great. And that was the first bit of advice that he had given me that like this light bulb went off. Like, and of course at that time too, I'm going like, fuck yeah, that's what I want to hear too. I'm like, I don't, don't want to be doing this shit. Like, let me go be me. And it, he did, he gave me that first bit of permission to not hang on all the things that, that are, that I'm weak at, that I'm, I may never be great at still to this day. That's a weakness of mine. And we, we have employees that work for us to handle that side. That's how important it is that we have that. Cause I'm not that person at all. So that was the first bit of advice that completely changed uh, my life forever. And I give that all the time. The other thing he taught me 
that uh, has been in, unbelievably impactful, not just in business and in fitness, but in, in relationships and in life for me was desired outcome. And we, him and I made a major bond. We went on to break a bunch of records together, became very tight friends. He got promoted. I got, I got promoted different directions, but he was always the guy that I would call like when I was sweating things or I was about to fire off a nasty email to upper management or something. And I would call him before I would do it because he would kind of, he would walk me through and I, and I looked up to him and he would, he would say, what's your desired outcome, Adam? And I'm heated and, and I'm all heated. I want to say this one. And I'm, and the first, the response is, ah, fuck him. I want to tell him this. So I'm mad. I'm like, really? What do you think is going to happen from that? What do you want to happen from that? Is that the best approach to get what you want? And, you know, I'm a self-aware, smart enough guy that if you stop me like that and you make me really think about it and you're like, okay, probably sending a nasty email saying this, this, and this. And if my desired outcome is he stops doing these things, that's probably not my best approach. And then he would challenge me to really think that entire conversation out. And that completely changed how I led uh, my relationships to like, and, and this is the advice I always give to anybody that's ever worked for me is I teach this same thing, because if we could all just do that, and there's old cliche things of count to 10 before you say shit like that. But even a step further than that is think of what your desired outcome is. Like, what are you trying to accomplish from this conversation? And is your approach right now the, the best approach for that? Those two things. And he's taught me many other things, but those two things uh, fundamentally changed who I, who I was as a person uh, and as a leader forever. And, and forever, I'll be forever grateful uh, for the relationship that I've had with him. I'm Javier. Um, found out about the show uh, from Thomas Kubota, actually. Oh, hey, Tommy. It's funny, you guys. Yeah, just you a 24-hour guy? Uh, no, I worked at uh, a gym in Gilroy. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. good deal. Uh, so my question is, mind pup aside, uh, what do you guys think would be your personal or um, individual um, legacies, or you know, how do you want to be remembered? Mm. Oh, geez. Wow. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, besides mind pump, um, I'd want to be remembered as a good uh, father to my kids for sure. That was a, that's a that's a big one for me when when especially after uh, I, I went through a divorce while we were on the podcast like during the podcast I think it was a how how far in were we when we when that happened about a year a year yeah about a year into uh-huh. it so that's after fifteen years of marriage two kids and um, very difficult for anybody who's ever been divorced it's a it's a difficult process and I thought to myself okay and one of the reasons why it took so long to for that to happen because we probably should have got divorced ten years earlier. But the, the, the reason why it lasted as long as it did is because you don't want to hurt your kids or you don't want to put your kids through the whole process of, of divorce. It can be challenging to uh, for a kid to have you know two separate households, to have you know parents that are split up, that whole thing. So when that happened, I thought, okay, how can I make this the, the best the, the best out of this scenario? How can, I, how can I be the best father I possibly can be with, with for my kids? And I realized that it was uh, through my relationship with my ex-wife. So the irony is, you know, uh, we got divorced because we had a bad relationship. But after the divorce, we learned to develop the best relationship we had developed. And it's not perfect. It's not great. But um, that, was the, that was the goal. And the goal was always to just leave that legacy to my kids. I want my kids to, if they, when they think about me one day, to be like, my dad was a good dad. He was there for me. He allowed me to, to talk to him honestly and openly. He supported me. He pushed me when I needed to be pushed. He held me when I needed to be you know, held. Um, that's probably the most important thing to me. 
uh, in the world. Is it cheating if I use my kid now, too? No, I man. Know, you, got, you can't. You're in the same place I feel now. like that's a cheating you answer. You totally do it. That's not cheating because it's yeah, real, it's man. Che- I know, I, no, I believe that. And I'm sure mine yeah. will align with that also. But I, <clears throat> I've been I'm asked- going to say ditto. No. <laughs> I, I've been asked this question a few times, and I don't think that I've articulated it very well. Because when I say it, I think sometimes it comes off very narcissistic, and that's not uh, how I, I mean for it to come off. But I, I Lambo, yeah, yeah, right. That's what, that's, that's what I want. I want a boat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, want to be remembered as the most handsome podcaster. No, I had this dream of uh, um, my funeral, and oh. it and it and it literally being at like an arena, and not because I'm famous. <laughs> that's that's right, no, no, that's that's this is the part that's it's hard to say. It's hard to explain this without sounding very narcissistic. Everybody's just chanting, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a fucking best. Crying, everybody's yeah, crying. Yeah. Oh. Sorry. I knew you assholes were going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's not, because, um, it's not because we're famous or I get famous or anything like that at all. It's, um, it's because I've impacted so many lives over my entire life that they, they feel compelled to be there. And uh, that is the way I think about that. And, you know, I've already had probably a thousand clients, maybe more if you count the camps and, and trainers that I've led and the extension of that. And God knows if we've impacted, uh, you know, enough lives on the, on the podcast yet or not. But to that point where that I've, I have fundamentally changed that many people for the good uh, that they want to be there, mm-hmm. you know, that they want to, they want to be there. And, and so yeah, I know when I first lead with that and I say that, it sounds like, oh, I want to be famous. And it's like, no, I don't want to be, I don't want a bunch of people showing up because they want to say they went to my funeral because I was popular or cool. I want the, I want that many people to have been impacted by me, whether it be on the podcast or in person or whatever. And so for me, that's kind of like what I think about when I think about my legacy. Mm-hmm. Now, that's been a long dream of mine for a long time, uh, well before Mind Pump and uh, now that I have a kid coming, I'm sure that it'll probably be along those lines. I mean, uh, Maximus is is gonna means the greatest Schaefer ever. So I mean, I, I'm gonna pour everything in it, anything I can into him. And my goal is he's ten times the man that I am. So th- that is my legacy. I know that. Uh, but I also we're I, all I, so excited for that. Yeah, all of oh, us are yeah. pumped for no, that, man. Pumped. Yeah, it's so great. No, it's gonna be cool. Yeah. Uh, have you guys ever been to a funeral like that, where just tons of people were just? I've been to one. It was like an Irish wake where they just got like shit faced. Katrina was fun. Katrina's stepfather's funeral was was uh, not quite that massive, but it was big. There was probably about a lot four, of people that he impacted. Four hundred people there, and 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 I, maybe this is I don't you know the dream was before that, but I I do remember that impacting me seeing that. So the way they had it, they had it like a celebration, right? They set it up like a, the wake was set up like a celebration and you came into this big cathedral and it was completely packed. They had two big screens that were playing like, you know, video clips of him. And then pastor came up, kind of spoke about him for a little bit. And then they opened the mic up for people to talk and it never ended. Like we ended up, I mean, just you ended up leaving because for hours people just kept mm-hmm. wanting to come up. And it gets me choked up just thinking about it. It's, it. People kept coming up and just sharing the impact that he had made on their lives. And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. and it looked like every single person in there was wanted to get a turn to get up there and, and to say something. And I was like, whoa. That's yeah. like that's legacy, 100%. Right, right. Legacy. So, yeah, along those same lines, I mean, for me, it's it's about what we started with, which is just the integrity, the unwavering integrity uh, to where I, I just hope that... Uh, People find our decision-making process as something, 
you know, to emulate that helps embolden their life and, and better their life outside of just health and fitness. So, uh, whatever I can do to, you know, at least start with that conversation of here's, here's how to better yourself physically. Here's how to, you know, better yourself nutritionally and, and, you know, like empower yourself with health. Let's start there. But, you know, life is so much more than that. It's about relationships. It's about, you know, your, your kids. It's about, um, you know, giving back to the community. It's about like everything else, but you. And I think that the society now for me, it's just, it's so much about ourself and we're always putting ourself out there on social media and, uh, it's the most narcissistic like environment I've ever seen. And I think that we're all suffering as a result of that. And I think that for me, it's, I just want to make sure that like we are an example on some level to be able to at least, I mean, I want to give as much as possible, but at the same time, I want to empower other people to, uh, provide the right message, whether it's through a health vessel or whatever it is your career is, do the right thing. Like have integrity, like, you know, make sure that what you're doing, people are watching you, that you're always checking yourself. Stay authentic, right? Stay authentic. Be yourself uh, no matter what. That was heavy. Hello, my name's Jackson. (laughs) I've been listening for about two and a half years and- you actually, have the record so far, two and a half, right? Two and a mm-hmm. half years, yeah. yeah. I actually didn't even know what a podcast was until my friend Miranda was like, you're really into fitness. You should uh, check these guys out. So oh, cool. Went and checked you guys out. And, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Started from the beginning. So my question is, do you think people will ever make the switch from only aesthetics being like their main focus mm. to general health mm. and longevity being the, the main focus and kind of the cooler thing to do than just... I'm shredded and I have a six pack. Oh, good question. Uh, I don't. I, I don't. Love it. Well, okay. So here's here's why I'll counter you. Because I kind of agree with you, but I can bring also it, see. Bring it. I'll disagree. Yeah. I, here's why I can. I think that ding, we may ding. see the opposite. Um, I am on Adam's side. I don't think so. I think we're all driven by this kind of surface level way of thinking. Um, that's however, not the only, that's not the only reason why I think that though. Well, well, hold on. Here's why I think it may reverse at some point. I think at some point we'll get to the we'll get to the part to the point where we'll get all that or where technology will get so good you can literally either edit your genes you could uh, change oh, wow. how you look make yourself look amazing you could take a pill that's going to burn body fat you could build muscles muscle super easily and people are going to uh, realize that it's empty and this is the truth now okay so and I use this example all the time. When you look at people, for example, who win the lottery, uh, they've done obviously studies on this, and they find that uh, most of them are bankrupt within a few years and, and don't, are no happier than they were before they won the money. Unless they were in, in total poverty, there's a certain amount. I think it's they said something like $75,000 a year. After that, your, your actual happiness and meaning doesn't even go up, regardless how much money you make. I think if I had a pill today that you could swallow that would literally make you look the way you wanted to look, I think people initially would be excited and happy and would be great. I look awesome. But I think they would soon realize that um, that wasn't what they thought they wanted. Yeah, but they, wouldn't, so I, they wouldn't stop taking the pill, though. Uh, well, I don't know if they will stop taking the pill, but they may focus on the other things. Like It's the journey. In other words, it's the journey to get there that you get that growth from. The, those of you that are sitting there who've worked out for a long period of time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so that's the possibility. The possibility is we'll get to the point where we're going to get all the aesthetics we want. 
Everyone's going to look beautiful. People are still going to be miserable. They're going to be. Do you think so? It may. It may. Ha- if we ever get to know. that point, it I might don't think happen. we will. Though I don't think we're going to get there. You don't think so? No. You don't think we're going to get all like robotic bodies? Well, well, that's Hopefully. Good. maybe that. But you know I, what I'm saying, yeah, maybe you have some robotic limbs and stuff like that. But in our lifetime, I don't think we see. Not something. in our lifetime. Yeah, I don't. I don't see anything that crazy. Uh, I don't know, dude. I can't. I can't get on board. I can't get on board with people not or letting go of that. And in using your argument with the. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to stretch it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I mean, you you bring up a good argument of like, why do we why do we even desire an aesthetic physique? Like, why why are we attracted to it? And there's evolutionary reasons why we are. Yeah, it represents health. So the exaggeration of that will always be there. So that internal desire, I think, will will always be attracted to this aesthetically pleasing to the eye physique. And, you know, people being shredded is just an exaggeration of that or uh, the, the, the um, I don't think that for those reasons alone that it'll ever go away. Well, I will say this. Um, you have to sell it right. So one of the things that we try to do on the show is we, we know what the right message is, but we try to find a way to communicate it to make it effective. Because if I just say you shouldn't work out for looks, you should work out for health. I'm going to reach approximately zero people. Nobody's going to give a shit what I say. But if I say this. If you chase aesthetics, you're eventually you'll lose aesthetics and you'll have poor health. If you chase health, you'll get great health, and as a side effect, you'll get great aesthetics. Now I've sold you. And so the, the idea is to sell the message effectively. So what I'm trying to do is get all the people who just want to look good, and I'm trying to tell them, hey, here's how you look good, chase health. And then hopefully, through that process, they learn that that's the way to do it. They figure it out, like, okay, I'm trying to look better by chasing health. I am looking better because I'm chasing health, but wait a minute, this feels a lot better. Now I'm just going to focus on this over here, mm. but it's a f- uphill battle. You got to be kidding me! I mean, you're not going to. I would say nine out of ten clients that I ever got in my entire life, you tell them, "Hey, what are your fitness goals?" It's all aesthetic driven. Mm. I want to change this. I want to change that. Mm-hmm. Here's the part of my body I would, you know, I want. I want to look better. I want to sculpt this area. It was almost never. I want to, you know, be healthier. If it was, it was because they had a, like a wake up call. I had a heart attack. I just want to get healthier. But oftentimes, I, I mean, we're, I feel like we're going in the other direction, anyways. Like we're turning into this attention whore. Uh, oh, it's got to it's got to go that real far before it goes well, because we're, we're we're going we're getting crazier first. Oh yeah. And an example of that is like I could take a post of you know, me being shredded for a show and post it right now, and it'll get more likes and comments than any of my last fucking fifty posts. I mean, even people that know Mind Pump, know our message, know what we talk about, still yeah. reward that. You know, what I'm saying like yeah. that's what we want, and I don't know, and it's I feel like we want more of that. I don't know if in our lifetime I don't I don't see that we're like I mean that's like we hope for that but at the same time I'm I'm kind of I'm with Adam on that like I I think that like we're animals at the end of the day you know we we try so hard to deny the fact that uh, you know we have all these like I, I, attractions and impulses and um, you know like we're drawn to certain people that look a certain way and there's just that's that's you know, just a part of the process, like as human beings. But uh, in terms of education out there, I think that like we're we're trying to put a dent into that in terms of like how to do that more appropriately and how to, you know, get sort of both uh, and to be more health minded in the process, even if you want to get on stage and look like this crazy, like, you know, God, mm. there's a way to do that where you're not just going to destroy your metabolism. Yeah. And I think that if we can at least start there and like get people to understand that part of it, then maybe 
you know, it'll kind of trickle back to, well, maybe we should just be more focused on health and uh, be happy and, and, you know, and, and everything else will sort of uh, fall into place. Yeah, fall in. It's funny, too, because um, we still haven't solved aging. So if you're somebody that's super obsessed with your body and you identify with how good looking you are, you're going to have at some point you're going to you know learn a lesson. At some point you get old. And it's funny when you meet these people, when you meet <laughs> these 60, 70, 80 year old people who were beautiful, gorgeous, identified with their looks when they were younger. A lot of celebrities are like this. Like they're, they're, they're celebrated for being hot or good looking. And then they hit 50, 60, 70 and the plastic surgery and the things that they do to themselves to try to reclaim those golden, what they consider golden years, it is a terrible place to be. They never, they can never really truly accept themselves. By the way, I'm speaking out of experience. I, I started working out and started, I got in the fitness industry because I was incredibly insecure about my own body. And it caused me to do a lot of bad things to myself. And I'm glad I learned uh, that lesson um, because I don't know where I'd be right now if I did. I definitely wouldn't have the voice that I have now on the show, but um, I don't know where I'd be. My body had to rebel for me to learn that lesson. So I think at some point you'll learn it one way or another. Um, but you know the, the scenario I came up with earlier, you know, technology solves all these problems. We live forever, always look beautiful. If that ever happens, I think people will then realize like, oh shit, like this is not at all what I thought it would be. What's up, guys? What's up, oh, man? Yeah. My name is Adam. Um, I first started listening to you guys, I think like early 2016, probably like January. Or oh, something. good deal. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah. Um, and you might think this is cool, actually. I was visiting my sister in Dubai, and somebody bound there put me on to you guys. No way! Um, yeah. All the way out so, there, huh? Super wow. uh, Crazy. random. But, um, Did you work out at one of those uh, those gyms over there? Yeah, they have a bunch of them on the beach and stuff. Kind of uh, like, I don't know, like... Venice Beach style? Like you sit on the chairs and you like lift your... Uh, okay. Oh, right. That kind of stuff. But um, yeah, so I have kind of a business-facing question. So uh, also a mandatory shout-out to the boys back home. Sorry I had to. No problem. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I was wondering uh, if you're in the process of kind of growing and expanding a business and, you know, you decide you want to branch out, and I'll be more specific here. Uh, for example, you guys, you guys have a podcast, but you also have a YouTube channel, and, um, you know, you got your Instagram accounts, and I know you talk about developing the uh, app more. Um I've, it's, I feel like it's really easy to kind of get lost in the weeds when there's a lot of things going on. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering, uh, how do you prevent spreading yourself too thin? And how do you uh, dictate and judge, you know, when a certain aspect deserves a lot of resources and time mm. um, without kind of, you know, because you don't want to half-ass any of the parts. Right. No, right. this is a great question. It is a good question. And we answered this uh, just recently at one of the talks we did. And I, I gave the analogy of like, uh, of like investing in stocks where 80% of your, your money is going to be invested in like your safe bet, like a, a stock that you know is going to, you, know, you never know, but the stock that you're pretty confident that isn't going to lose you. It may not gain you a lot of money, but you're, you're confident in it. So I use that as like, okay, when you look at all the platforms out there, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email marketing, YouTube, all of them, I, I look at the one, uh, what I mean by the one that's you're going to win the most, the one that you speak the best on. So like somebody who is quick and witty and responsive, like Twitter is your game. Uh, if you're great with shooting pictures and angles and great captions, like Instagram's your game. If you do really well with like long form and you write really well, then like blogging and, and email like is probably a really good place for you and even Facebook. So first of all, figuring out what platform you know, works the best for you, but then 
to not neglect the other ones like you would stock. So you take 80%, 80% of your time and money is being vested in whichever platform you think that you speak the best on, but you're smart enough to know that you need to get real estate on all the other ones because there is always that chance that Twitter shuts down or YouTube shuts down and then you know podcasting. Sh- I mean, the likelihood of all of them all shutting down all at once, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, so making sure that you diversify so you don't get screwed and you're only on, you're only on one platform, I think that's smart. But I would I would double and triple down on the one that uh, you best speak on, whichever one that is. So mm-hmm. I, w- I would put a lot of my a lot of my eggs, not all of my eggs, in that basket and, and try and get my traction there. And then I would be slowly kind of I mean even like with like a conversation that happens. Did Enzo leave already? Uh, Enzo is working on like the Spotify for us right now. That's I've been constantly hammering that. Like we got to get on Spotify. Like we're not even, we're a fitness company. Like people would think like, why Spotify? Well, I believe in the platform. I believe that they're going to be here for a long time. I like them as a company. Uh, If we could actually end up being almost like a DJ where we have all these different stations that you tune into on Spotify. So mind pump rock, mind pump hip hop, mind pump house, whatever. And we have all the, and it's a rotating playlist. So it's always new cutting edge shit. Like how many people in here wouldn't probably be listening to that? So you would, and that's just another place that I can capture your your attention and service you, which then again leads me later on to be able to sell advertising or market in different ways, or just have you over there. So um, no, I, I think it's smart for for you to try and diversify as much as you possibly can, but to spend a majority eighty percent of your time on the platform that I think best. You I, be, yeah, and I on. think it's a little. So when we first started, it was a culmination of a lot of different trial and error businesses and different ventures that we were all kind of separately doing. Um, And we didn't know that podcast was going to be the one that took off. We didn't know that, but we, we just decided to try it. And so we all had different things going on. Meanwhile, we're still building this and figuring out like, wow, we're getting traction with this. This is crazy. Um, And, so then after that, it's like, okay, this is a legitimate business. Let's start fostering this. And then it became, it became more than actually what I probably thought, you know, where we, where we are today. But then this became a battle of there's all these other avenues, like you were mentioning YouTube and we're on email and we're Facebook and, you know, Instagram. And, and you have to look at what what you're actually doing on all these platforms and, and what, what, what the best usage of it is. Mm. Um, and so for us, like to be able to communicate with fans, like Instagram's awesome for that, for having a forum on Facebook, that's amazing. So that can kind of feed in with our programs. Uh, you know, our, like the, the meat of this business is the podcast and then our programs. And that's like, that's where we'd spend most of our efforts and energy around, but it's important that we do uh, embed ourselves in these other platforms because, like Adam's saying, it's it can change, like, and they can change algorithms, and you know, maybe iTunes all of a sudden shuts us down. Uh, so we just have to remain flexible as a business uh, to 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 remain uh, ahead of the curve, mm. and, and it's just it's just one of those things. Like, what kills a lot of businesses is they don't think ahead into the future when you when you find something that's really successful and hitting stride uh like that's where it makes me even more nervous i'm like oh we gotta really think about the future of how we can keep you know stoking this fire uh 
and, you know, be flexible. So really it's about, you know, making sure that we have a stake in, in different platforms, but not too much yeah. energy. I'll keep it short. I think um, just know what to say no to. That gets hard as you grow. It's like, what, what do you say no to? And just double down on the ones that you think you're, you're the ones that you think are relevant to you, the ones you have passion over. How's it going? I'm Tyler. What's, What's up, Tyler? Tyler? Hey, Tyler. My question is for you guys. Oh, I've been listening since 2016. Jordan Harbinger, when you guys. Did oh, yeah. Yeah. Good, good, buddy, good, good buddy of ours. Um, what excites you guys most about the next thousand episodes? Oh, man. Um, hmm. More stuff like this. Will we make it that far? Yeah, yeah. we'll see. More stuff like this, I think, makes me excited. Like, I, I like, yeah. uh, I, I'm starting to really enjoy having people in front of us and, and you know, while we're podcasting. Uh, touching more people in live events, probably. Oh, yeah. That's more of the, the I guess, the near future, what gets me excited. Um, long term, gosh, uh, just continue to do what we do. It's crazy. I've never not gotten bored after doing something for four years. Oh, we were just talking about how yep. it's more exciting today. It's more exciting. Every job I've ever done or every business I've ever yeah. had, after about two or three years, I start to get bored. Want to oh. do something else? This, I never get bored. It's really crazy. We keep looking for a ceiling. There's no ceiling. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting. Like, <laughs> well, to your to Sal's point about the, you know, doubling down on the things that are that are important to you or that you do well at. When we first built this, it was we really did get out. I mean, we used to do these Orange Theory talks, and you know, the whole reason why we started this business was to impact the fitness industry and impact people. Nothing impacts people more. Maybe the podcast reaches tens of thousands of more people than we could potentially do in a small room like this. But when we get a chance to like hang out with people and you get the chance to really meet us, for sure, it, it fundamentally impacts people way more than the podcast it impacts does. us. Yep. And so one of the things that we talked about at the beginning of this year and, and this is, I think, so important. This is just a business lesson, period. Like as, as a company grows and scales, it's very easy, especially when it's successful and it's doing well, to be looking at all the other opportunities to make money and this and that. And the reason why we all still do so well together is before there was a dollar made, everybody agreed on what the why was and what we were trying to do. And when we all sit together and we could be arguing, oh, I think we should do this. No, 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 we do this. Oh, we can make so much more money over here. And we go, well, what? why did we start this? What are the things that'll do that? Like this type of stuff and like what we did last Friday and what we're doing next Friday, getting out in front of trainers and helping them with sales and doing stuff where we're kind of getting back in our community, that nothing is more in line with our why than that. Mm. And so it excites me that we've, we've made that a, a major priority this year. Now, we haven't announced it on the podcast uh, but we're trying to get as, as a many events as we can in person this year and really make that like a, a very regular thing next year. So we're trying to work out all the kinks and because it, it, it does cost us a lot of money to travel somewhere like the whole team comes like that's a $7,000 bill for all of us to show up to go put on a free event. And even though we're not about the money. We also can't be losing money like that at that rate. Yeah, we won't be able to continue doing what we do. Right. So a lot of the focus this year is to get to a point where whether it be sponsors or uh, other place, people that are taking care of us to come in and speak at their events. So we go to people that that excites me. It excites me. We get to do that. I have a lot, a lot of fun. Every time I get to hang out with people like you guys that are here, uh, I, literally nothing makes all of us happy. Oh, I mean, we had the most fun doing it's those. It's super humbling. I, there's one, I'm going to bring this up and it makes us get emotional every time. I know you guys are going to, you guys remember this. Mm -hmm. Paleo FX. Yeah. We were at Paleo FX. This was what, three, two years ago? Yeah. And we're walking through and we're having a great time and we're bullshitting and we're fucking with people and, you know, being ourselves. And we're, we're on our way out 
And all of us are walking together. And Justin is like nowhere to be found. I turn around and some girl, and she was like 17 years old, had grabbed his arm and stopped him. So we all go over to see what's going on. And this girl um, had terrible eating disorder. Um, She almost died at one point. And she said that the thing that saved her was just listening to us on the podcast. Made her laugh, made her smile, and then she was able to start caring about herself differently because of the things that we were saying. And she started crying. We all started crying. And we we left, and we were just that much better. That much better people, but that much better at what we're doing here because this is driven by our passion. Mm. So when I meet people and I get to hear what's going on, yeah. it makes me yeah. way better. It elevates us. It sure. elevates that was us. was a real impact. And, oh, oh that, it was crazy. Man, that hit me hard, yeah. Oh, it was it was a tough that one. Vividly. That was a tough one. But yeah. I remember we all left and we were like driven like we'd never been driven before. And every time we meet people and we talk to people, it's always like that. So that's well, that's the that's the live cool. events are going to be cool. Yeah. I'm really excited. And you know, that's Taylor and Rachel's passion. They love that side and they've been gearing up for some time to really do that. Tahoe was the uh, probably the first real big event that we we threw and this year we're fixing all the kinks and I think next year uh there'll be a lot lot more of that stuff and that's going to be that's going to be really exciting what's up guys my name is brandon what up uh, i actually got turned on to you by my sister's ex-boyfriend who <laughs> i actually went to lee high school um they all went to lee high school and somehow they knew sal oh really so oh good lee, deal. Huh? i don't know all right they're hella old then There's huh yeah yeah uh, 25 oh. yeah so screw so. you oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyways uh as people are getting more obese and more and more personal trainers are needed and we have a crazy rise of technology. Um, do you think that uh, personal trainers in person is going to be more of a thing? Or do you think uh, the technology is going to take it over and apps are going to take over? That? I think technology is going to be a great tool, but I think nothing is going to mm. ever replace yeah. person to person. Because think about this, okay? Maybe you guys experienced this yourselves when you first started getting, when you first got into fitness. It's hard. It's a hard lifestyle change. You're changing your life. You're changing how you operate. You're changing what motivates you to eat the way you do. You're changing your activity. Uh, you're changing the way you view yourself. These are these are behaviors yeah. that have to be changed, and it's very difficult to do without a real live person who's empathetic, who's listening to you, who's understanding, who's guiding you. It's a very difficult thing to do. Um, now, can you impact people virtually? You definitely can, but I think it's more of a start. Than, uh, to get them in the right direction. Like I hope people listen to the podcast and they're like super motivated mm. and then they go hire a really fucking good trainer. And yeah. that trainer is the one that really makes those those changes. But- I think technology will impact people who are pretty much like self-motivated already. I do like, I know there's doctors now and there's uh, other like practitioners and physical therapists that are using technology to help uh, gather more data, more information that they couldn't before to convey to their patients. And I think that, uh, you know, personal training is no different to where we're going to, we're still going to need somebody to interpret all this information, um, you know, to their clients. And I just don't, I don't feel that AI is going to be able to have that intuitive insight, uh, you know, in terms of like being able to communicate uh, on a level where like person to person, I could tell something's off, you know, and like, let's talk about it. And it's more of like a, you know, like it's a therapy session at that point. But we needed to have that conversation for you to now um, accept where you are. And then, um, you know, and that, and that was like sort of the, the sticking point that we had to we had to tackle that. So I just don't 
I think it's a great tool. And I think that like trainers really need to get versed in, uh, you know, like modern technology and ways that they can apply it with their clients. But, uh, I, I always see the need for person to person interaction. We just need that as human beings. Mm, I think as a company, we're, we're banking on that. We put a lot of those trainers out of business, to be honest. I mean, when I mentioned to you guys about what we're doing with HubSpot, uh, one of the things like what Ann will do, like she'll come across somebody who bought a program, emails in and says, this is what's going on with me. Uh, my knee hurts, this, that. And she has like this very custom list. And then she'll send that over to Sal. And then Sal's beginning to look at the camera and speak to that person. Then that now gets categorized over to somebody who has knee pain going through this. And so we're kind of building out that right, that capability of giving you that almost in person speaking to me, answering exactly what I need to know, so I could go in then apply it to the gym. Uh, I think the I think AI is definitely going to take over a lot. I think right now we're, the, there's plenty of room for someone to start tomorrow and be a trainer in person. And I think I I advise people to do that first. Is um, I think it would be extremely challenging to be somebody who's never trained a client before and then go straight into virtual coaching like the Sal's point. Like I think that would be super difficult. Uh, the only thing that I think that makes me a decent virtual coach is because of all the experience and all the people and the, I've heard this a million when, when someone sends me something I'm like, this is not the first time I've heard this, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I have the answers. Like if I didn't have, if I hadn't had done that with so many people in person, I don't know if I would have well, those I answers. I think we put shitty trainers out of business, but I, for sure, nothing we could ever do the would ever be better than me talking to, and being with someone in person or you being with someone in person. And I'm going to, I'll argue that we've probably made more personal trainers become trainers than we've put out of business, or we've made bad trainers more good trainers. I think it the, the barrier to enter is lower. So if you if you need help and you can't afford personal trainer, well, the technology is going to be great because you get great information. It's personalized. It's a lot less expensive. But would anything that we ever create that I could even co comprehend that we could create would that ever be as good as me working with someone in person? No way. No, oh, of course. I, I, will it be better or as good? Like, no, of course not. It'll mm -hmm. never. But I think it's going to do a, a big fucking dent. Oh, and I think if you're not, think, I think if you're in business and you're not thinking that it will one day, and sure, hundred percent. I mean, it, it, we're already starting to see this. I mean, you're going to be able to hands free at all times in your house, your car, whatever like that. Just speak the question that you have, and and a fucking video, a long form, or whatever form you want it in, is going to pop up. Yeah. And so imagine you being a client working in your gym at home and you have Alexa or whatever tools inside there. And you're like, say, oh, I'm on MAPS anabolic phase one. This, that. I mean, Tom Billy was building him. Like, I, I remember talking to him. It was like two years ago. I sent him a text when I saw he was already doing things with Alexa. And I said, what are you doing on Alexa already right now? Is, it, is Are you seeing return on that? He's like, nah, nah, this is for. This is for 10 years down the road, bro. Like, and he's already planning that all that stuff there so that you can say something into Alexa and anything that impact theory has touched on that. So yeah, man, I think that it's going to be now. I think at the beginning of that smart trainers that uh, are, are not insecure and, and feel okay with uh, sharing mind pumps, knowledge and information will be smart and will use us. And this is what, when I talk to trainers, I always tell them like, if you are trying to be smarter than us or be smarter than every trainer, that's silly. Like why? Like it's still to this day. That's why when you look at our YouTube channel, it's a reflection of us as trainers. Like you see a bunch of other really smart people on there. Like, you know, I have such the, the Henry Ford approach 
uh, when it comes to fitness. I'd much rather find the, the, the guys and the girls that are much wiser than I am. And then I share that with my clients. I don't need to be the guy that gives them that information. It's like, hey, I'm the filter for that. And so I do see trainers still being in the mix because of that. So maybe you're the, 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 the middleman between somebody. So you have a client, but think about what that cost will be. It's going to be, it's going to drive the cost extremely low. It'll be like a hire trainer for a hundred dollars. And your job is literally to use all the resources that mind pump has probably spent at that point, millions of dollars of building it out to make it so simple for you to where you can just go, Oh, you know, 35 year old, this needs to lose weight, knee pain, this, that. Okay. And then you can just send over all these videos, all these ep- uh, speaking almost directly to that person. That's Either common. way, it's going to be a lot different. And huh? that, it's definitely going to be a lot different. I think that trainers need to prepare for that and get, you know, involved more with like all these different uses of, uh, you know, technology to get clients and also, uh, you know, evolve their business. So that way they're not left in the dust. Hi. I'm Kat. I've been listening for about three and a half years before I've become a trainer. And now I'm a trainer, so it's been really cool to listen to you guys throughout that process. Awesome. Sweet. So this is totally a trainer question. My biggest weakness, I think, is I get frustrated that my clients don't care about their health the way I care about their health. And I get maybe a little intense with them and I just get upset like I'm failing them so I would love to know your advice on how to handle things like that and not take it so personally very common Mm -hmm. by the way very common especially you know fitness is a passion driven industry so people don't typically become trainers because they're trying to make a lot of money they do it because they love fitness and so you kind of you're so passionate about these people you care about their health they don't care about their health Um, it's almost like when you have a loved one who's sick and you want to get them better and they don't want to and you're like ah let me just you know force you and you want to choke them Um, I'd say (laughs) You have to understand to that in order for you to be effective, you have to meet them where they're at, okay? And there's no amount of forcing or hammering or anything you can do that's going to help, that's going to get them to move faster than they want to move. Mm-hmm. And so you have to accept that. I blew a lot of clients out the door because I was that trainer. I'd sit down with them and I'd have these come to Jesus talks and you're not doing what I'm saying. You're not eating the meal plans. You're not working out on your own. You know, you got to do these things. Otherwise, I don't want to train you. And I blow them out and I do them no, I would do them no benefit because at the very least they were showing up to train with me, you know, twice a week. So at the very least they were doing something. Um, It's a long process. It's a slow process. It's a difficult process. Meet them where they're at. Be honest with them. Don't lie to them. So I used to be very honest with my clients and I tell them, look, here's why you're not getting to the goal that you wanted. It's because of these things that you do, but that's okay. At least you, you need to know that and it's okay, but when you're ready to accomplish those goals, you know what you need to do. Until then, I'm here for you. You're coming, you're showing up for your sessions. Let's have a good workout. Mm-hmm. And at the very least, I can make that kind of an impact. And when I understood that and had that attitude, way more successful as a trainer. I had one guy, good, great, you know, he's a family friend now. I remember I, he hired me and I went, when I was learning this process, that's when I trained this guy. And he wanted to lose 35 pounds. It took him three and a half years to lose 35 pounds. Do you know when he lost the 35 pounds? The last, the last six months yep. of that whole process. The whole first two and a half years was his just him just showing up to his workouts. I would talk to him about fitness and nutrition, and he'd go off and eat pizza and do whatever, and we'd work out together. But after about two and a half years, things started to that momentum started to build, and he just did it himself. Yeah. I haven't trained this guy for four years, and guess who's never gained weight the weight back? And guess who's still working out? Mm-hmm. He is. So you got to meet them where they're at, have that empathy for them, um, be honest with them, but also be that 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 rock for them, also yeah. be that support for them. Right, and we we covered this not too long ago. That was 
the main thing is that you're as consistent as possible. Like your message, uh, you're, you're not wavering your message. You're always there. You're super professional. They can count on you always having their best interest in mind and giving them just like seeds of information that will help to meet them where they're at. Um, but you, you just have to wait. I mean, you have to wait for them to really buy into the process a lot of times. And, you know, it's frustrating as a trainer because all you want to do is help and you want to see that progress happen because you know what that can do. And, and you really watch people flourish once they, they, they get the bug and, and, and they accept it. Uh, but, Again, it's even if if you do push them really hard in that direction, a lot of times I've found in my career, it's uh, the more I push, like maybe we'll have temporary gains, but it just didn't last. You didn't have that sticking power that it would when they came up with the idea themselves. Yeah, like, they, they resist had, more. They, they just had a moment, you know, in life, whatever the circumstance was, where they're like. Oh, you know, I'm I am not doing this anymore. I'm gonna, you know, tomorrow we're 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 changing. I'm doing all these things, and then they just take off with it. So, just just be available for them and, and be consistent. This is one of those things that we're all gonna repeat the same thing because when I think of like, you know, sure we disagree on a lot of stuff and we openly debate stuff on the show. There are definitely some core things that we've all come to as as truths, and and the truth is like what Sal said is you you'll have to to learn to meet those people. Now, I think you can get better at communicating that. So, so something that's helped me or where I got better, and, and I know I say this all the time on the show, like a broken record, but the 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 first the first big step for me is like, you, you, if I can't get you to track for a week and show me what you've been doing, like I won't, you can't even hire me. Like, so that's to get, to be able to hire me, you I, before they even pay me, I say, first go do all this because I'm going to ask you to do that no matter what. So if you're already shopping me as a trainer, we are thinking about doing a contract together, whatever. It's like the first week is tracking your steps, tracking your food and doing all that stuff. Like it, that's bare minimum. Like I, if I can't get them to commit that, the whole rest of this process is going to be an uphill battle for you. So that you got to nail that down, like get them to at least do that. And then when I do that, I'm looking at all the things that I that I know they're probably doing wrong. Like and I've talked common offenders not enough fiber, too much sugar, not enough protein. Calories could be really low too. Very often you get somebody that has a broken metabolism or a very slow metabolism. And so when when I sit down and I've assessed everything for the week and we're that first conversation, it's very key to paint all the things that we're saying right now and to let them know that, you know, what happens with most clients, you know, it's most clients just can't keep the consistency up, can't make the behavioral change. And so it's very important to me as a trainer that I, I get you to do that. And what I will never do is I'll never throw the whole kitchen sink at you because you'll never be successful that way. So what I want to do with you is I want to I want to look at one or two things and I want you to just, we're going to dial that in until it's be, just become a habit and second nature for you. And so whether that be we're looking just at fiber first because this person is, anything else is too much and too overwhelming, we're just going to get that down until like you've proven that to me. Then once you've proven that, we're going to move on to the next thing and then we're going to move on to the next thing and so if you kind of set the table at the beginning that you're not even to give them a bunch of things to focus on, and this is the right way to do this for the long term. And I used to always do that takeaway to them where I'd say, you know, I know you're hiring me. I know you want this now. Do you want me just to help you lose the 30 pounds and just get there by any means whatsoever? Or would you like me to help you lose the 30 pounds and keep it off for the rest of your life? And I make them say that to me. And all of them are going to say what? They're all going to say to you, I want to keep it off for the rest of my life. Very few people say like, oh, I don't give a shit. Just give me the 30 pounds. Some might. 
which you and then whatever at that mean by that means you can you can play the card where you restrict calories, do cardio, do all that shit, and then they're going to get fat afterwards and warn them what's going to happen. But it's setting that table at the very beginning of what that what they're going to anticipate, how challenging it is, how important it is that we create these behaviors one thing at a time and we add on it, and then just and then simplify and meeting them like Sal said. And some people you're going to get as clients. You're going to be able to hand them like three or four things. You're going to be able to say, okay, we're going to dress fiber. We're going to dress sugar. We're going to bump up your protein intake. I also want you to get 8,000 steps a day and follow this program. Dream clients. Right. And they're going to execute, you know, and those are your, those are the ones that everybody, everybody as a trainer gets those ones results because they follow anything you say. The ones that make, what, what'll make you a great trainer is getting the, the other ones, the ones that are a pain in the ass that just have no consistency, no discipline, that that do it for a little bit, then fall off and then flake. And so those ones, the key as your trainer, back to Sal's point, is just finding out where who they are, where they are on that spectrum. Can they only handle one fucking little thing? Like, I just need you to walk, hmm. you know, X amount of steps every day. Let's start there. I literally had a client once just literally read one page out of a nutrition book once a week. That's where, that's where we could start. All right, just read one nutrition article a week. I'll send it to you. Let's just agree with that. That's where we started. Sometimes it takes a long time. Um, I'm Lauren. I've been Hi, Lauren. listening to you guys for about two years. Cool. All right. And I just found you on iTunes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, my question is, what is a difficult situation that you guys have gone through that you are now grateful for? Oof. Looking back on it. In life or since the podcast has started? Um, just in general. Okay. In life. Boy. Uh, I have, you know what's funny? All difficult situations I've been through, I am grateful for because uh, difficulty is what fosters growth. Real growth, you need the motivation of difficulty. Like, what's that one quote? Um, the, the Like, the flower, and then the pain of not blossoming became greater than the pain of blossoming, so the flower blossomed or something like that. That's that not what it was. Really just weird. like that. Anyway, you guys get the point. <laughs> I uh, totally don't get the point. The cocoon well, was necessary yeah. for the butterfly. Damn, did I just do a ramp water? Yeah, yeah, yeah that, was, that was a ramp water. Yeah. Doug, if you could find that quote for me, I swear <laughs> to God. Anyway, it, in other yeah, words... Look up all flower quotes, please. Uh, uh, the, 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 I like the, that. The pain of remaining in a bud became... Anyway, the, the point I'm is... I'm still confused. The point is challenge and difficulty is what... Uh, it's really what fosters real growth because it's so uncomfortable, so painful... That you either die or you grow. Um, so I, there's a lot of times I could I could quote one. You know that's probably most relevant to uh, you know to fitness was when my body really just uh, rebelled on me. There it is. And the day came when the risk to remain tight in the bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Yeah, close. There you go. All right. Anyway, a- uh, when my body rebelled on me, I get it. You now. know, I was uh, I don't know how old I was. Probably 30, 29, 30. And um, I had identified so strongly with my body, you know, being strong, muscular, whatever. I was a trainer. I had been a trainer at this point for 12 years or whatever. And um, it, I, I thought I had an autoimmune issue at, the, at, the, at this point. Um, I couldn't contain any food in my body. Lost about 15 pounds. Was weak, tired. Um, I thought I was eating healthy. I was eating my chicken breasts and my whole wheat and all that stuff. Um, I was working out. And here I was withering away, feeling terrible. Still had clients. People are asking me what's going on. Going to doctors. No one can figure it out. And I, at this point, at this time, I had my wellness studio and I had two uh, very smart wellness uh, experts or individuals that worked with me. And they were very different from me. I was the trainer. I was the like build muscle, burn body fat. And they were the esoteric, meditate, gut health, wellness type people. And here I was, and I, I finally gave in. I couldn't handle it anymore. I, I sat them down. I'm like, I need your help. I don't. I, I have no answers. I don't know what's going on. 
And so they said, okay, um, we're going to do gut testing. We're going to do an elimination diet. You're going to start to meditate. You're going to change your workouts. You're not going to do the super intense workouts anymore. Um, we're going to lower your protein intake because you're eating insane amounts of protein. Re- eliminate all your supplements. At this point, I was addicted to them. Um, and uh, and I, I did that. It took a year. It was very, very difficult. I had to completely change my approach to everything. In fact, the way I got, the way I got through it was to completely ignore how I looked. I actually stopped looking in the mirror because I'd identified so strongly with, my, with how I looked. And I, at this point, I had given in. I'm like, I just need to focus on my health. I don't look at myself anymore. And I said to myself, I don't care. Like, I don't care what the end result of this is. I just need to be healthy because this is absolutely terrible. And I've talked about this on the show. You know, I, There was one point where it was like a year later and I had seen a reflection off of another mirror and I had seen myself. And because it was from a weird angle, for a split second, I thought it was someone else. And I remember thinking like, oh, and then I'm like, wait a minute. He's sexy. I look pretty good. And then I, for the first Get time. over here. <laughs> yeah, for the first time I looked in the mirror, I'm like, holy shit, like I look better than I did before. And then it was like, oh, wow, like being healthy made me look as good, better than when I was just chasing, trying to look a particular way. And it was a huge monumental moment. And it, but it was a year of shit. Like I'm serious. Like I was so hyper reactive to certain foods. If a breadcrumb was on my food. That was it. I was fucked for a week. Like I, if I missed sleep, I was fucked for a week. If I trained too intensely, I was screwed. Um, it was, it was a very difficult time for somebody that I identified so strongly. I mean, imagine if you, whoever you think you are and that shit gets challenged, like you're, you know, you love running and then you, you can't run anymore or whatever. Like, and so, uh, I'm very grateful. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be who I am today, and I definitely wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now, 100%. Mm-hmm. I would still be that meathead. I would still be that guy talking about building muscle, macros, burning body fat. Um, I would not be who I am today and for sure wouldn't be able to impact people in the positive ways I think I, I can do it now. Yeah, there's been a few examples. I mean, I've brought this up on other podcasts before, but um, for me, it was it was really my – going to a school out in Chicago and um, it sounds like kind of trivial, like it's not a big deal. Uh, for me, I had like this whole safety net. So I had all my friends, I had my family, had my girlfriend at the time. Uh, and I was just literally just trying to figure out who I was and like what I was all about. And this was one of those, those pivotal moments. I just, I just knew internally I had to step out of my comfort zone and and do something to find who I was. And I didn't want to do it. And so I stayed for two years in San Jose and tried to go to school, tried to make this relationship thing work with, you know, my girlfriend at the time who was at Cal Poly. And I was like going back and forth, like obsessing over, you know, trying to make it work. And, uh, like this long distance relationship was just ridiculous. You know, it was, it was like stupid that I was like trying to hang on to that. Um, and so I just decided, I was like, like, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. Like, I'm just going to go, I'm going to do something that like is shocking to my parents. It's shocking, you know, to my girlfriend at the time, like my friends leaving everybody, I'm out. And, uh, I had the opportunity. I had somebody that was recruiting and I gave him a a tape and he's like, yeah, you know, we got a spot for you out here out in Chicago. And I was like, Oh shit, Chicago. I know nothing about Chicago. I go out for a, a trip and 
it, you know, the weather was great. It was like 70 degrees, you know, no humidity. It was like a total facade. Like there was like, I had no idea what I was in for. And, uh, I say that like everybody scoffs cause we're like from California and like, there's no real weather concerns here. But, uh, I went there and it was like 30 below and it's 30 below. And I'm like, I have no friends and I'm trying to like reinvent myself. Is this when your girlfriend broke up with you? And she broke up with me and you know, you I'm listening to a lot of stained at the time. And so, you know, yeah, there was some tears <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I'm not proud of that, but, um, yeah, it was, it was like challenging. It was like, I, I, it took me a while to get outside of my shell even like I, I didn't want to hang out with anybody. I was like a hermit there for like the first year. I was just like, no, I'm just going to work. I'm going to work, you know, and, and finish school and, and become like at the time I wanted to be a physical therapist. And so I was like learning to do that. And, uh, I had to work on getting outside of my comfort zone and introducing myself to people I didn't know and, and doing things that, um, you know, just really were outside my character. And I had to like, you know, build upon that. And so that was like, that was the catalyst for where I am today. Like it, it obviously, I, I mean, it ruined my relationship, which was great. You know, like I'm super glad that didn't work out, uh, in hindsight, but you know, the, all these things, like I, I, I just, I needed to do that. I needed to find out who I was and that was really hard. And, you know, and I'm, really thankful that I, I just decided that that was the right thing to do. And I went with it. So I answered this on a, an, on an interview that I did recently. And what I told him was that it was my childhood. So for me, and we, we don't talk a lot about it on the show, uh, mainly cause I don't like to, cause I never want people to think that I feel sorry for myself uh, nor do I ever want people to think that I don't think that there's people that have been through way more shit than I have. Like I know that I probably had it on easy street compared to a lot of kids. Um, but those that don't know, uh, my father committed suicide when I was seven. My mom remarried into an abusive relationship that she carried on for the remainder of the time that I would be in the house. And I carried a lot of animosity through my twenties, uh, towards her because of that. Uh, in my 30s, I'm grateful and I would never change it looking back now. Um, now, when, when I see the path that I took and what that did to me as a kid and what it, how it changed me as a man and a grown up, uh, 100%, I wouldn't change a single thing because it, the way I look at it, and we, we, when Juan came up and asked about TED Talk stuff, and I said, I mentioned that maybe I would talk about fear. Like, uh, the way I look at fear is so different than a, a lot of people, and I probably would attribute that to how I grew up. Um, uh, at that at that age, to see the things that I saw, to be a part of those things um, at that young of an age, and at that age, you don't know any better. You just assume, and, and your parents tell you things like every family has problems. You know, we're normal. You know, so so when I got older, and you know, things would be tough. Like I would try something and fail. Or, you know, I would, you know, start a new business and not be good at it or try a sport and not be good at it. Like that was no big deal to me. Like I, I just I can't relate to somebody who just gets defeated by things so easy because I grew up in as an underdog for so long uh, and, it, and it forced me to thrive in that environment. And I know that it's forged me into the man that I am today. So as as dark as it is and as painful as it probably was. 
I 100% wouldn't go back and have it any different. And and now like my relationship with my mom, I think is incredible because I do. I, I think that she did the best that she could with the tools and the resources that she had. She had me at 20 years old. Uh, she, she came from a very nasty, broken home. And so the behaviors that she learned, and she was married by the time she was 16 years old. So married by 16, have me by 20, father commits suicide seven years later. She's 26 going on 27 years old, trying to raise two kids, like trying to make ends meet, found the first man that probably came into her life to kind of help her out. He so happens to be an asshole and in an abusive relationship and then took us along for the ride. Not meaning, you know, and not thinking. And, and I think I thought she was very selfish as a teenager going through. And so that animosity was there. But now looking back today, I go, man, like the, the things being the oldest of five, I mean, probably turned me into the leader that I am today. The way that I look at fear, the way that I look at adversity, none of that shit would have happened if I hadn't gone through all of that stuff as a kid, because then I would have looked at everything else, every other challenge that has hit my life. I probably would have looked completely different at that had it not been for that time. Hi, I'm Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. Um, Lindsay. And I've been listening for about two years. The year I graduated high school, actually, which was two years ago. Oh, cool. Wow. Um, and Lauren, my sister, introduced me to you guys. Awesome. So my question is, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but what are some of your biggest fears and how have you been able to overcome them or face them? Oh, mm. gosh. Well, I mean, mine's kind of pretty obvious. Like, I I am Peeing afraid of... Yeah. <laughs> that's one He's of not them. afraid of that. <laughs> Spiders, mm. I was going to say. Um, besides that, yeah, just like speaking in front of people has always been a massive fear of mine. Like it's just public speaking. I know like style through the, the statistic out there, like that's like a pretty popular fear for a lot of people. And uh, every time we do these events, it's, it's great for me because a lot of people can relate to that. Um, and it's not easy. It's not an easy process for me to articulate what I want to say all the time um, to be able to, uh, really even like have opinions all the time. A lot of times I just, I like to listen and then come up with a, you know, my, a formulate my own opinion as the conversation progresses. And so a lot of people in the beginning thought that, you know, I was afraid to talk and, and it wasn't as much about that as to find the timing, find the rhythm, find, you know, where I can insert uh, something that was a value or, you know, something that was like ridiculous or funny or, or whatever. Like, I've never had a problem with entertaining people or like being silly or doing things like that, but like to, to capture a crowd and, and teach them something. And, and that always scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I don't know why it just, it's just one of those things that never came naturally to me. So I've had to work my ass off to just get in front of people and, and be and own it and, and know that, nothing is going to come out exactly the way that I want to say it. And that's okay. And I can just keep talking and get better at it as I keep the reps happening. And as I keep uh, communicating with these guys and surrounding myself with people that are good at that, it comes naturally. Uh, so yeah, that's been one of my biggest things I've faced, which is it's, it's pretty silly, but um, like I, I've had moments growing up where I've had to talk in front of class. And so like, I, you know, going through elementary school, I know a lot of people have had to present something in front of class, like a project. And I remember, I think distinctively it was like fourth grade. 
where I was supposed to demonstrate something. Like it, it could have been anything. It could have been like throwing a ball or whatever. And I just couldn't come up with a concept. And my mom's like, why don't you teach him how to cook like this, this bake these cookies. And I'm like, I don't know how to bake cookies. It's like, it's fine. It's easy. Here's a recipe. Just teach them. And I'm like, okay, I'll go with this. And I bombed. Like I forgot everything she told me, like everything. And I stood up there and I fucking froze. And I was just like, I was stiff and I just, I didn't know what to do. And, uh, this happened a couple times. Like even in college, I had to present a massive project to everybody and I froze and it, and it like, it still sticks with me. Like I, I didn't know how to get out of it. And, uh, it's crazy. It's like choking me up, but yeah, it was, it was crazy. So this has just been like a process of like, Oh shit. Like I have to get better at this. So that's, that's crazy. Like I, I, I couldn't tell you that this is like, would ever be my job now, but it's cool. Mm, so definitely it's cool watching you do it too. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I think, uh, saying the wrong right now, my biggest fear is saying the wrong thing to, uh, to our audience. And what I mean by that is like conveying a piece of information that does harm to somebody. So if I say something about an exercise or nutrition, or I recommend a supplement and it, 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 it takes somebody down the wrong path or it hurts them, that really scares me. There's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of responsibility, I think, that comes with knowing that people are listening. I remember it used to give me anxiety when, when we first started the podcast and I'd listen to the episodes and you know, and Doug would be like, oh, we got 500 downloads or we got 1,000 downloads. I'm like, oh, shit, 1,000 people heard what I had to say. And I'd hear what I say and I'd be like, oh, my God, I hope I communicated that right or I hope I'm telling them to do the right thing and I hope it helps them. I hope I'm not doing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing. That really freaks me out. Like I want to make sure I, I say the right thing and I, I, I lead people in the right in the right way. I also I think it keeps me humble, um, or at least it, it, it attempts to keep me humble with uh, some of the things that I say. But um, there's definitely a lot of responsibility when with uh, with communicating certain things. Um, I can definitely be fearful, believe it or not, of talking in front of groups. I actually do a lot better talking on camera or on the microphone when I know that there's people out there. But being in front of people sometimes can make me nervous. Um, but yeah, it's just. I want to make sure that I say the right things on the podcast, lead people the right way, and I don't cause anybody harm. That's the, those are my biggest fears right now. I don't really think I have too many fears, and or I don't have a biggest fear, I should say, because I kind of look at all fear the same way. Uh, I think people assume that I, I have this natural ability to be on the podcast or do things in front. Like I have all those same fucking fears and nerves like that. I just reframe it. So, and I've done a lot of different shit. I've done all kinds of things and anything that you ever do for the first time and you've never done it, there's always a little bit of fear there. And, and maybe people feel a greater fear when they're doing it on a stage in front of lots of people, but because I don't judge myself and I kind of look at all fear at all kind of the same in this, the same, same light, like it's okay, this is the first time I'm doing this. And I, I think that I accept like, I'm probably going to suck. I'm probably going to fall. This is probably going to hurt. People are probably going to laugh at me. People are probably going to make fun of me. Like, I know that's all. So I anticipate all the, the potential worst case scenarios that could happen. And I get at ease with it. It's, what's the word? Someone's going to make fun of me because I made up a word. 
fuck you. You get up here and do this. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's my attitude at almost anything that I approach. Now, now again, that's probably stemmed from the the childhood stuff, right? Like because then I probably did cry and get scared and had all these issues and shit like that as a young kid. But the more times that I I faced these situations where we feel fear, what I connected really early was the greater the fear and the scarier that it was, holy shit, the more rewarding it was on the other side. You know, what's that quote? On the other side of fear resides success, right? Mm. So the, I, I then started to chase those moments. Like, ooh, I'm scared to do that. Ooh, maybe I should do that. You know, like even hearing Justin talk about the, the F-16, like, ooh, that sounds even scarier than what I thought it was. Like, it doesn't scare me away from doing it. Like, uh, I think that it, once you make peace with all the worst outcomes and you're completely okay with that, to me, all fear is the same. It's, you know, it's a, that's a stoic practice. Do you know mm-hmm. that? Stoicism, I think that's like one of the top uh, practices is to yeah. like play out the negative scenarios, all the make peace with them, and then you're okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and so there's, I don't have a biggest, you know, mm-hmm. it, the first day of this was, I was nervous as fuck. We were drinking. I think I listened back. I'm like, oh my God, we were terrible. Uh, the first time I had to do YouTube, oh my God. The first time I had to stand up in front of a crowd of people and speak to them, oh my God. Moving to a new city, not knowing any kids, oh my God, that was crazy. First time I ever picked up a basketball and tried to dribble it and play kids, oh my God. First time I wakeboard, snowboard, like anything that I've ever done, there was always that moment of fear uh, before I made the decision to do it. Um, but when you do, when you make peace, said, oh, I, I might fall down, I might get teased. Uh, I might not be very good at it. I might have to try a lot at it. And I actually embrace that. I think it's, uh, and I like things that are more challenging, that are more fearful because I know the process to overcome. It's like even the way I approach swimming right now. I mean, I'll call someone out like a Ben Greenfield, like I'm going to get you. Like by no means should I be able to beat him, right? I mean, so, but I embrace that and I could easily, okay, talk some shit on here, go out there and get my ass whooped in the pool and then everybody tease me and make fun of me. Oh, he's so cocky. Look, at he got it. Like, what is the worst that's going to happen? And I enjoy the process of working towards that goal to overcome that no matter what the outcome is. Excellent. And with that, Target. go to mindpumpfree.com. Download any of our guides for free. we got a lot on there. You can also find us on Instagram. Justin is at Mind Pump Justin. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal. Follow me. And Adam is at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.